What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Against All Odds podcast. I'm here with Danny. Danny, welcome, first off. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to give me your full name, your age, and your position? All right. My name is Daniel Gagliardi. I'm 24 years old from Miami, Florida. My family's from Brazil. I'm a goalkeeper. Goalkeeper. Okay, so let's roll the intro and let's get started. All right, so you said you're from Florida mm-hmm. and you're, you're Brazilian. Um, walk me through like what your family looks like, your parents, if you're brothers or sisters and all that stuff. Okay, so my mom and dad are separated. I have one sister. She's 27, lives in New York. Mm-hmm. So my mom came over, I think, 80, 88, 89, and my dad came over in 90, I believe. Um, they met in Miami, uh, got married in 93, um had my sister in 94 me in 97 we we grew up in Broward County which is just north of Miami um I was born and raised in Plantation Florida I grew up there lived there my whole life and then around and then I went to college in Miami at Florida International University Mm -hmm. um but yeah my family very um so both my parents are Brazilian grew up very Brazilian household my I have an aunt my dad's sister that lives here that lives in Miami as well and then pretty much the rest of my family lives in Brazil. Okay. And my, my dad's one of six, and my mom is just her, um, her and her brother. Okay. And uh, you can speak Portuguese? Yes. Even though the Portuguese players or the Brazilian players all make fun of you for your... Yeah, so <laughs> I regret it so much, but I th- think between six and 12, uh-huh. I didn't go to Brazil. And I just refused to speak Portuguese. My parents would speak to me in Portuguese, speak to me in Portuguese, and I would respond in English. And I just, for whatever reason, was very stubborn and refused to speak Portuguese and I regret it. Uh-huh. Now, every time I'm with Brazilians, I try and speak it all the time, trying to um, improve my Portuguese, get it as um, good as I possibly can. But those influential years when you're like, it's yeah. best to learn a language, I refuse to speak it. So now I'm- <laughs> And you I'm, said you don't know why you did it, right? You just... I, do, I, I was just stubborn as a kid and refused <laughs> to do it. Cause like my sister, my parents only spoke to her in Portuguese until she got to like school. She started learning English. By the mm-hmm. time I started speaking, my sister Ray learned English, and me and her only speak to each other in English, mm-hmm. even to this day, unless we're trying to hide something from someone. What's your sister do now? She's just up in New York, you so said? So she went to fashion. So she went to New York for fashion school. She went to the Fashion Institute of Technology up in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, she graduated from there after two years, and then she started working in fashion. And now she w- works as a fabric developer. So she was just with Mark Jacobs and she left, I think last week was her first week with um, Alexander Wang. Wow, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, so she loves it. She, yeah, she's a fabric developer. So those of you don't, for those of you who don't know, a fabric developer is pretty much, she researches different types of fabrics and every designer wants to, um, with putting together a desi- um, an outfit or whatever, they could consult with her. Okay, what fabric do you think was best? What color mm-hmm. do you want? And her job to research and find the fabrics that's best suits them. Yeah. I, I've been like working on making a, like a t-shirt and mm-hmm. I want to make it like sports specific, like for training in. And like, I've been working with this guy in Portland and he's just like about fabric. And he's like, okay, what's the weight of the fabric that you're looking for? What's, and it just goes like, the more you start doing research about it, the more details that like it gets. It's just crazy. No, it's crazy. So, like <laughs> whenever I go to like the mall or store, my sister, she'll mm-hmm. look at the, she'll look at shirts and be like, Oh, this is, polyester like just from looking and feeling it and she'd mm-hmm. be like oh this is that i'm like oh okay and there's yeah. different blends and then there's yeah, like the exactly. proprietary blends and, it's, and then the weights of it it's it's insane and then not even to mention like you just think 
colors and, and patterns and mm-hmm. stuff. That's like step one out of like all yeah. that. That's cool though. And then, um, did you go back to Brazil at all? Like as a kid? Oh yeah, all the time. Uh-huh. So I said from six to 12, I didn't go for a while, but when I was younger, we used to go like every year. And then it's been going less and less. The last time I went was New Year's of 2017. Mm-hmm. So that was a few years ago. I try and go as much as possible. It's a lot harder now. Yeah. I can only go in a certain time frame. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's uh, what city? Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's like where Marlon and Rodrigo are. Marlon and Rodrigo are from um, Rio de Janeiro. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I, um, when you go, do you like do the touristy things like in Rio de Janeiro and everything too? Not really. I've never been to Rio. Uh-huh. So I've never been to, um, to Rio. I've been to Sao Paulo. I've been um, to Bahia because my dad grew up and um, spent like a good part of his life in Bahia, mm-hmm. which is another state on the um, on the water. But um, I usually go to Sao Paulo. So my mom and dad's family live about three hours away from each other, give or take. Mm-hmm. And I'll spend like half the time with that, um, with one family, then half the time with the other kind of just do stuff around there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, growing up in Miami, like, I mean, that's and being from a Brazilian family as well. Was it just soccer, soccer, soccer? Yeah. So first birth, birthday present was a soccer ball. Uh-huh. I remember growing up, my dad was a big Corinthians fan, diehard. Uh-huh. And growing up, we couldn't do anything on Sundays because he had to watch the game. <laughs> like we couldn't do anything as a family. We had to be home so he could watch the game. Mm-hmm. And that was growing up. And I realistically didn't really watch that much soccer or like not even only soccer I was exposed to until I was probably like 13 was like um, either Brazilian national team mm-hmm. or Brazilian soccer, which mm-hmm. watching Corinthians and stuff like that. Cause that's all my family knew. And then once I got older, I started watching like European soccer myself. I'm like, oh, okay, it's different. And then, but yeah, yeah soccer, soccer, Miami is a big cultural hub for soccer, mm-hmm. which is great. It has a lot of influence and it's probably one of the best talent pools because you'll see players from, uh, you see like a lot of teams who were scouting Miami until Inter Miami came. But yeah, soccer is everywhere. But I played a lot of sports growing up. What other sports? Um... I did karate. My first sport was actually karate. Really? No, not, uh, what's the what's the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. form? Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, not jiu-jitsu. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we found a jiu-jitsu thing around there, but my mm-hmm. parents said karate. So I did karate. It was mostly to help with my self-control. Uh-huh. I, was a real, I was a trouble child. I was very, <laughs> I was very ADD and energetic, mm-hmm. and they wanted me to, mainly just to help me become more self-controlled and self-disciplined. So I did that, and then I started pretty much like the American just every season I did season yeah. sports I did soccer I did basketball I did f- American football um I did MMA uh, karate eventually developed into MMA uh-huh. but soccer and baseball were my two biggest I would say I played baseball up until my freshman year of high school mm-hmm. I played I made the freshman team in high school but then I quit the next day because I didn't have time for that in soccer. Yeah, yeah. I feel like freshman year is like always the year where you're like, I have to decide. I did the same. I was basketball yeah. and soccer. I did the same thing. I, I did my freshman year, but then I was like, okay, like if I really want to realistically go to college from one of these, mm-hmm. it needs to, I need to choose. Yeah, I think that was the same thing. I'm just like, I enjoy baseball, but I think I'll go further in soccer. Yeah. So yeah. I'm stick I looked to at myself line. in the mirror being a little white, <laughs> white boy, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Soccer's probably my sport, not, not basketball. Yeah. Even though, I mean, there's still. Not to say there's not white boys that play <laughs> yeah, basketball. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, so growing up in Miami too, uh, when you, you, uh, you said your first present was a soccer ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so were you just like constantly just playing like with your family, like growing up with like your, with your kids in your neighborhood or was it more so, like organized? More organized. Mm-hmm. I trained a lot. So 
Um, my, me and my cousins always played together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think everything changed when I was around. Like everything for soccer changed when I was probably around. I want to say twelve or thirteen. I went to Brazil for one summer and played soccer there. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, my goalie coach was my because back then not every team had a goalie coach Mm -hmm. so and then now you see every team needs to have a goalie coach yeah so my goalie coach isn't that crazy to think that you didn't have a goal goalkeeper coach like back then so i had but it would be like oh twice a week that's yeah yeah we did the same thing my assistant coach that year was our goalie coach Mm -hmm. so i had him every single day and i loved it and his name is giuseppe weller Mm -hmm. and he played a big part in my career and still does to this day so he that's when i started working with a goalie coach every single day and it really started developing and i remember so my club had a, a men's u23 team that played in like a local tournament and whatnot and then for us when we were like 14 or 15 we did they would start calling some of us to train with them oh we mm-hmm. need numbers and i was one of them so i remember i'd usually get to the park around like i'd probably say like five or six do goalie training train with my team and after training with my team go train with the u23 team mm-hmm. which and i was like when we were so young playing with such older guys, they gave us confidence and everything and helped us grow at a faster pace. I mm-hmm. think that's when a lot took off because yeah, Miami's a big soccer hub, but like when, um, and I was a little bit north, like I said, I was in Broward County, I was in plantation. So it wasn't like, it's not like Brazil. Where it's like every neighborhood has a little soccer court mm-hmm. or a soccer field you go play on and whatnot. So I think that's when everything changed for me in soccer was when I started working with Giuseppe on a regular basis. And then, Start working with older guys and train. I was tra- like I said, I was training like three, four hours a day. Yeah, just sweat, just Giuseppe. 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 What's he doing now? He is now he's the goalie coach for Miami FC, mm-hmm. and he has his own goalkeeping academy. And awesome. The, and he also works with Nova Southeastern University. It's a D two in Fort Lauderdale. Wow, that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so okay, that makes sense. I mean, I, I always say to a lot of the people that come, they're mainly from other countries mm-hmm. that always talk about like 15 16 getting f- training with you know the first team or mm-hmm. getting training with even the second team that's older you like you 23s yeah. and i feel like you were in a good situation in america too to have that because a lot of kids 15 mm-hmm. 16 don't get the opportunity to do so that so my club director was he's american but played in germany mm-hmm. and then one of the other directors was tunisian mm-hmm. and he and so they had a very european or non-american mindset and they were big on developing i remember i talked to my goalie coach recently and he would and he spoke to the 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 tunisian coach his name was anise Mm -hmm. and he spoke to anise one time and he when they were they were anise was my head coach giuseppe was my was the assistant slash goalie coach and anise was they were at training i see all these players looking at the tie club like one percent of these players will make it Mm -hmm. and he said that and then this past off season we had me and a group of friends from that would play together our whole lives were training nonstop. And then we went out one day and we took a picture and there was five of us, five of us from the same club all made a pro. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to Giuseppe about that. And I'm just like, do you remember when he said only 1% of us would make it? And then we have five from the same team. Uh-huh. And it's a, it's a really good picture. And it's all, it's um, all five of us together and we're all That's playing pro, awesome. which is, it's just cool. And we, it's, it's cool. Cause we all went on our different journeys and our, took our own paths. Mm-hmm. And then we all ended up getting where we wanted to and came together and we're still all very close friends, mm-hmm. which is a big part of it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Send me that picture. I'll put okay. it up there. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. Like, where, where are those guys playing now? So um, um, one of them is Andrew Booth. He plays. Mm-hmm. He was drafted to Minnesota, um, but then signed with Greenville. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's with Greenville right now in USL League One. 
Nick Hines, who's um, playing for Nashville on loan to Austin Bold. Mm-hmm. Um, Crystal Young, who is playing for Inner Miami's USL team for mm-hmm. Laredo. And then Jonathan Lewis, who plays for Colorado Rapids in the U.S. men's national team. Awesome. That's, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> sick. Yeah, I definitely alter that picture up when you talk okay, about okay. it. That's really sick. Yeah, I uh, similarly, like in college, kind of like the same thing. Like my college coach said mm-hmm. something of like, look, like you guys need it. It's all about focusing on education, which is true because I mean, in college, especially at that age, it's like, you, yes, you have a chance of getting drafted for sure. But even then, you know, you gotta like, it basically just say you need to focus on education in school. And he's like, mm-hmm. only one of you probably from this team is going to be pro, you know? And like me and my housemates were all like, oh no, like we all have the same mindset. We wanted to go play pro no matter mm-hmm. what school was important, but pro like we wanted that and out of that house of like five guys four of us ended up making it no yeah and like into the pro level when you're surrounded by the right people with the right mindset mm-hmm. you push each other to go further yeah because then you're like looking at like not to get it's not even like maybe a little bit of jealousy too where you're like looking at them and like your friends doing it you're like i train with them i know i can mm-hmm. do it too you know no, and i think that's a big part so andrew the one that's at greenville right now mm-hmm. him and i both went to fiu together uh-huh. And we both re- we went same year we registered and stayed all five years together. Mm-hmm. So me and him played a big role in each other's careers, and I think he pushed me a lot. And we were always there for each other. And he's one of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. And then you look at John, the one who's on the national team, and he was the first one of us to break out. Mm-hmm. He had trials in England and whatnot. He actually w- went and played in England for a little bit, came back, played a year at Akron, got a GA, and been playing ever since. Yeah, and we. And I'll never admit this to him, but he put he pushes me and I know yeah. all of us to get to go further because we see where he's at and we all like we want to be there. Mm-hmm. And then Nick took a different route. Nick went to went to Akron as well. After two years, dropped out. Signed off Tacoma. He was a Seattle homegrown, mm-hmm. um, but he was pushing, pushing, pushing. Seattle never signed him, and then Nashville just signed him this year. It was his first year MLS. So he and like we like I said, we all took different routes. And then Chris. Chris was an interesting story because he went to he went to West Point at first, mm-hmm. left after a year, went to a JUCO, was at the JUCO play, and then couldn't find a team. And the last ditch, like, was able to go to Akron because of John put a recommendation for him. And then he redshirted because he was like in that whole span of trying to find a team. He didn't play for like six months. Yeah. Anyways, redshirted, ended up doing very well, ended up signing with Fort Lauderdale. So like like we all have very different journeys. Yeah. Which is, it's a crazy thing. That's the, that's the thing too. Like you're never too, even if you have your friend group, that's all pushing and going for it in a great mindset, it's never going to be like, Oh, all same year you all sign pro. Yeah. yeah like maybe, yeah. and maybe it does happen, but mm-hmm. same thing. Like Ramon Martin del Campo was like the first one of our house to sign. He signed with Saprisa in Costa Rica, like mm-hmm. killed it. And, and he was like that breakout player did really well. Um, and the rest of us were like, some of us were, were redshirting like a few years, doing an extra year of school. Mm-hmm. Like I was like searching for a contract, failing. But it's like everybody's story is different to get there. But like over time, like yeah. you know, you'll the cream does rise to the top. No, the yeah, end. and it's it really is. And like, like I said, we push each other a lot mm-hmm. in this off season. We were to get like every single day. Go oh, train. So everybody comes back to Miami. Everybody to comes back to Miami, and then so we actually mm-hmm. have a really good thing going in the off season. So we go. We have my goalie coach who brings in. Um, which would mean there'll be, be like two or three other pro keepers mm-hmm. will train us and then they'll bring this is the first year we brought the field players in and they would do finishing and stuff like mm-hmm. that on us so it'd be more realistic so we did that then all of us would leave and go straight to the gym mm-hmm. um, we have a really good trainer back there too we do we train with him and then we we would rest and usually at night we play pickup 
Mm-hmm. A lot of guys come in the offseason and play pickup. But yeah. one year we had Jack Harrison there. Um, we had Sebastian Berhalter, yeah. uh, Aiden Morris. We have I a mean, lot. Of, why would you not want to go to Miami? Yeah. And, we, and we have a lot of the inner Miami guys as well. Uh-huh. So we have we have a good group. Yeah, that's awesome. We have a good thing going on on the offseason. You could freeze up in Portland, or you can come down to Miami. And, <laughs> and this year it. was perfect because Miami is one of the only places that were open. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got some good training in for sure. Uh, I know because like some states, like in offseason, players are like all like the fields are literally closed. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Like, that sucks for you. Like, <laughs> that's terrible. Miami was open nonstop, and it's yeah. warm, so we can. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, all right, so so rewinding a little bit, um, you said that you had the breakout year of like where everything kind of clicked with training and kind of progressing. Was that you said like fourteen? Yeah, around there, fourteen, so, fifteen, I would say. Okay, so from like age five to thirteen, um, at, at that stage, were you thinking like I want to be a pro? Were you kind of just it was soccer more of just a sport that you love, but you didn't really were thinking I think about? At first, I just I really enjoyed playing sports in general. Mm-hmm. I just really I, I'm a big competitor. I love to win. And I just enjoyed playing sports. And then I, I want to say as I got older, I started, I was a really big kid, first of all. I, mm-hmm. When I, I went into high school around 6'1". So, <laughs> like, so I was, I, like, I have pictures of my team. Like, everyone's, like, down here, and then I'm, like, all the way up here. Yeah. So I, um, so I was dominant in goal from that age. Like, at that age. Oh, and, and did you, like, from the earliest age, were you always a goalkeeper, too? Yes. Okay. I remember my dad was my first coach playing for, like, a rec league. Uh-huh. And then, um... I'm like, Dad, I don't want them to score. Put me in. So I've played in goal like my whole life. Mm-hmm. So that that is one thing. I did play in goal my whole life. Your dad didn't be like, no, you're not going to be a goalkeeper. <laughs> I, I feel like, so I, I was one of the time, like at that age, you could play on the field and then go into goal. Yeah. Thing. So I, I did both. Mm-hmm. But we could, from the beginning, you could see I was good in goal. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just stuck with that. And, then when I first got and to then my, if you're a big kid too. Yeah. Then when I got to my first travel team, I'm like, now nah, I'm going to be in goal, mm-hmm. play in goal, everything. Okay. It went like that. But, um, no, no. Once I started getting like later middle school, I start I, I started think like, yeah, I, I want to play pro. Whether mm-hmm. it was baseball or soccer, I wanted to play pro, and then soccer just took off. Yeah, I think. And uh, like at that age too, were you thinking? I know it's early, even in middle school, but were you thinking like the typical American route of going to college? No. You're thinking just straight pro. I didn't want to go to college. Uh-huh. I almost didn't go to college actually. Uh-huh. I, I, I was thinking, I'm thinking like Brazilian mindset. I'm gonna go play. Yeah. When I was 17, I actually went on trial and played in São Paulo for a little bit mm-hmm. for some um, the team São Paulo. Yeah. I was there and on trial, um, so I had my Brazilian passport and everything. And they they told me, they graded me on a system of like one to five, mm-hmm. and they put me at like um, five being your best, probably the best in your age at this point, like or and then three is probably like. The level, the level we are here. Yeah. And most of my, I think I got like most of my rings were three. I think I got like a, a few two point somethings. And then so like so, so you're about they're like you're about level where where our keepers are here. Mm-hmm. But for, in order for us to take you, I was, I was 16, 17, We want you you to be above where yeah. then we have no point in taking you. So I'm like okay, fair enough. Went back, played in the states, and then um, when I was after I graduated high school. I uh, sorry, my senior year of high school, I, was, I played for Kendall Academy because mm-hmm. I played for Plantation FC my whole life, and then two of our coaches um, left Plantation and went to Kendall, which is one of the academies. Mm-hmm. In my, it was one of the two only two academies in South Florida mm-hmm. at the time. Um, so they left and went to coach U18s, and they were trying to bring players over. And then me, John, and Nick got called to a U.S. youth camp. And we got sat down there. We were the only three players 
that weren't for our academy team. Mm-hmm. That's around the time where academy started taking off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they sat us down and goes, if you want to have a future in this program, you need to go to academy. So we're like, okay, went to Kendall. So I went to Kendall halfway through the year. I had a, um, an interest from Montreal Impact. For, the, um, for me to go there, I think it was around January. I was going to go for a week on trial there with mm-hmm. their academy. And I got this through my goalie coach because my goalie coach did like a coaching course and met Yusuf Daha, mm-hmm. who was the head goalie coach at Montreal for the first team. And this is an important thing that ties in later on in my career, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Which is usually stuff yeah, like that so, does. Yeah. Um, I got called, for, um, but my academy director did not allow me to go. And he was just That's like, crazy. So he was just like, oh, Danny, if you're going to play another year of academy, why don't you just play at Kendall? I'm just like, Montreal you, Impact? Or exactly. Can, yeah. I'm just like, are you comparing yourself to an MLS? Yeah. I won't say his name because he, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. still in the academy system. He's at MLS Academy now. Uh-huh. But, um, I wonder if he still thinks the same. Right? <laughs> um, so it didn't allow me to go. Uh-huh. The season ended, whatever. I actually missed the cat. We actually ended up playing Montreal in the academy playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I missed it because I tore a ligament in my thumb. So I didn't go. And then we actually, the day we played Montreal, I was actually in Montreal getting a tour of the facility, uh-huh. <laughs> which was a funny thing. And then um, I had already committed to FIU at this point. And then I had this interest in Montreal and they wanted me to go on trial with the USL team because back then they had a USL yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. And I told the FIU coaches, I'm like, hey, um, I got called on trial. I don't know if I'm going to come this year. So I went on trial and they said I did really well the first three days and they're like we could put you on the uh, on the academy team or you can go to college and then we'll keep an eye on you and I'm at mm-hmm. that point knowing what I know now I would have stayed and been play at MLS Academy because I know how homegrowns are and everything yeah knowing what I know now but mm-hmm. ne- but that, back then I'm like nah I'm just gonna go to college forget this um, it's hard to because I think right around those years is when it really started to switch. Because like Academy was a new thing. Like you have, people have to realize too, it was a newer thing. It's not like yeah. today where it's so established. So my, fresh, my freshman year, Academy players could still play high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they switched out my sophomore year. So I, that's when you see like, that started to make the shift. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't know, back then I didn't know anything about homegrowns, this and mm-hmm. that. Like that system wasn't in place. There wasn't any MLS Academy. The closest one was Orlando and they were just starting off too as an yeah. Academy. Yeah. Yeah, because like, I mean, even for me growing up, there we had one year, my U16 year, an academy team started, FC Portland, mm-hmm. and then after that, it folded. So like that was my entire youth career. That was the only academy system I could have potentially even gotten into. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's a lot of money. I tried out. They're like, yeah, maybe. I was like, no, it's yeah. fine. Like, no, yeah, and the academies were, by me, we... You had to pay for it. It's not like an MLS yeah, Academy yeah. where everything's paid for you. Yeah. It was a lot of money. It for was, it. I think it, mine was like five, six grand for the year. Yeah, like it was crazy. a lot. It's crazy. Yeah. Like a lot of money. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just different and it's good. Now you're seeing so many Academy players and homegrown no, sign early. Development and, is crazy. Yeah, and it's and a the lot steps better. US soccer has taken is massive. I think it's heading in the right direction. Yeah. Especially with the U23 mm-hmm. um, league coming up. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. Um, but that, that's interesting, though. So you, you had to choose between college soccer and Yeah, and so I, I remember I went to my orientation, mm-hmm. and I just doing all the meetings. I snuck away from my orientation, went to go talk to the head coach. Yeah. Me and him, like, talking for, like, an hour and everything. He's like, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm like, for the year? I'm like, so, yeah, that's something I got to tell you. <laughs> uh, and I talked to him. His name was Scott, Scott Calabrese. Uh-huh. Um, he's at UCF now. Um, and I'm like, so, yeah, I might go on trial. So we went and, like, spoke to the... Uh, what's her name? Um, we spoke to like the 
oh my god what's the word i'm thinking of the person that helps you with like your, your advisor classes, yeah our advisor yeah, yeah and she told me okay yeah if you're gonna go for it take maybe take a gap year you can still take some courses you just can't, can't take too many so we talked about that and mm-hmm. i looked at maybe taking online courses whether it's like online courses from like local school in Montreal or a school in Montreal itself. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that, but then I ended up coming back my freshman year. Yeah. It's, it's always funny too. Cause it's like, sometimes you think, Oh, like the route might've been better, but then also you never know. You, like, exactly. Yeah. You never know. It, it worked just, out for it, you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was just one of the things like I, like I look at it like last year, the end of Miami is USL team. I yeah. look at the Academy system and how big, and I'm like, damn it. I wish I had this when yeah. I was their age. And I'm just like, and now I know like all, everything about homegrowns and like the development side of it. I'm like, yeah, I maybe I should have stayed, but mm-hmm. can't mm-hmm. look back on it too much, you know. Definitely. Um, and then, so how did uh, FIU come up? Was that through actually before that with Plantation FC and with uh, Kendall? How often were you guys training? Like, was it every day? Plantation or? was every day. Plantation uh-huh. was where I started with. The, where they had the men's team. Oh, okay. And then yeah, Kendall, yeah. I think we trained Monday through Thursday. Uh-huh. I, believe, I think we had Friday. That's off. good. If Plantation FC, and that wasn't a academy team. It was just a normal club yeah. team. That's a really that's a good setup for a normal. That, club that's team. where um that's where the five of us played at. Uh-huh. Well, one of them, Chris, he played there when he was younger. Left, went to another club, mm-hmm. academy, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, that's where we're, that's they had a good setup. Mm-hmm. I think we had a good mindset there. And me and like a few of us, if we weren't training with our team, mm-hmm. we were training with a different team. We there was a few of us who would like we'd go every day regardless of our team trained or not. Yeah, that's so nice. I mean, it's crazy to even think about it. Like. My club, my club team trained twice a week, mm-hmm. and like I was, like the, my coach was like, "Okay, I'll hold an optional one on Sundays." I was there every Sunday with like three other guys yeah, and doing yeah, like yeah. random drills. Just like I was like wanting to do more and more and more, and it's just yeah. like it's just crazy that a club team. And this was like this was the highest level too. It's mm-hmm. not like it was a random local. It, it's where you could. It was yeah. the academy setups of, of today. No, yeah, and I looked at it like that's why I said Giuseppe played an influential role because Giuseppe did goalie training because mm-hmm. he worked for the, at that point he worked for the club. Yeah. For plantation so he'd be like okay goalie training at this time so i remember i used to get there early with him and help with the younger group mm-hmm. and help um coach the younger kids and then when it got to the older kids that's when i jump in and i would also jump in with the younger kids a lot yeah. of times but then like i was around it so much and then like okay okay men's team need a goalie danny you want to go or this team needs mm-hmm. a goalie danny you want to go i'm like okay so i'll just be jumping around yeah and i mean getting to play with like 23 year old men full like full grown men at 14 15 oh, yeah, 16 it, it makes a huge, huge difference even now with like pearson and uh jesus and tony and these oh, guys yeah, training with us great so nice like no, when i my t- first experience training with like like was the was my when i was 22 after college like it was after college when i did that for the first time so yeah one of, last year at in miami we had a 15 year old mm-hmm and he was good. He's actually a homegrown. He was their first ever homegrown. Uh-huh. But he, like, you look at his ability wise, you're like, he's good. He's just small, so he gets bullied off the ball. But yeah. like, I'm like, give him time. Give yeah, him yeah, some yeah. time playing at this level. Because then you learn, like, you can't, like, at 15, if you have that ability, you can also body off guys as well. But then with full grown men, you have to play yeah. a little bit faster. You stick to your strengths mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And you learn so much so quick. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah, I had a little bit of an advantage. I was yeah, you're big, big. taller than most of them as it was. Because you're six three, right? Six, yeah, around there. Uh, and how much do you weigh? Uh, Two ten. Yeah, big guy. You're always in the gym too, lifting five hundred <laughs> pounds, <laughs> doing the trap bar deadlifts, five hundred pounds. I joked about that today, lifting it up. My arms were just come out of my sockets. <laughs> Did you actually try lift it? No, no, no. Oh, no. Sean was like, "Hey, Shelly, hop in, hop in for a set." I'm like, yeah, no, my arms no. just go. <laughs> no, I, I I do enjoy the gym a lot, and mm-hmm. I my trainer I talk about his name's Andy. Mm-hmm. He actually played pro in england for a little bit um he he played at newcastle for like their u23s 
and got released. And then he went to, he was on trial at Leeds. Uh-huh. And it was between him and someone else for the spot. Um, and the other guy won it. Uh, his name was James Milner. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> so yeah, so he, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so he, he has a really, he's very intellectual and he has a soccer background, which is huge. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you get with trainers that have baseball backgrounds or football yeah. backgrounds and they all understand mm-hmm. the movement and stuff. But he, he knows what he's doing. He works, he works with NASM, the National um, Athletics National Association of Sports Medicine, mm-hmm. and he helps write some of their stuff and teach courses. And he, so he's very intellectual and everything. I, I've, I think I m- met him when I was, I want to say sixteen. Mm-hmm. I've been it's working a good with age him. to meet a, exactly. a trainer. I've been working with him since, and I loved it. Every uh-huh. every off season, every summer, I'd be with him. Yeah. And, is the the stuff you do now? Is it still like his program? It's or not his. Well, it's not his program. So when I went to college, I studied um, sports and exercise science, mm-hmm. and I started my master's program in kinesiology. Mm-hmm. So I, like I said, I do enjoy it. So a lot of stuff is like a lot of exercises are his. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I take it's like you do from soccer. You take you take from some people what you like, and yeah, so I, yeah. I do a lot of his exercises, and a lot, but it's not necessarily his program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's the exact same. The only problem for me is at 16, at 14, 15, when I started getting to the gym, the first people I worked out with was the football coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was another guy who showed me stuff, but he wanted to be a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. So th- those were the, my influences in the gym. Every, Especially at that time, too, all the soccer players were like, no, you don't need to go to the gym. You don't need to go to the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I want to. I'm tiny. I'm, I, I was the opposite of you. I was <laughs> five foot one, 100 pounds freshman year. So it was all like, everybody was like, yeah, you're good. You're fast. You're technical, but you're just too small to play mm-hmm. varsity or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. for me, I was like, I need to get in the gym. And the only people really doing the gym work were football players. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's interesting because like, I started off with him. And like I said, he had a soccer background. Yeah. When I met him, he was working at a gym called The Chamber, which is owned by Chris Chambers, who's mm-hmm. a former Dolphins player yeah. at the time. So that was a big thing. Um, so, but I was one of the only soccer players there. I met him through my goalie coach as well, Giuseppe. Mm-hmm. I think he was working out there. And, but the program would be slightly different for me than everyone else. Mm-hmm. But I was working out with like baseball, football players. And then in the, and then off season or depending on the season, there would be some pro like the football, baseball, whatever players in there. And me, I think me and one of our friends were the only soccer players there. And then mm-hmm. now we have a group, we have enough, soccer players so we have our own soccer player group yeah but like off season i would remember one one summer i was working out with michael vick <laughs> and then i'm just like okay and then next one like a few summers ago i was working out with jorge soler uh-huh. who's a big name in baseball right now and That's it's just awesome. like so it's like it's it, it, high it, it, performance yeah. center so then so then um andy eventually left and opened up his own gym mm-hmm. um and i've been working with him at his own gym and he takes his clients here and there worked like this off season worked with a few football guys mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like, it's good that we have a soccer group now because it's more soccer specific. Yeah. But even then, I'm a little bit different than because I'm a goalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's why I do my own workouts in the gym because I'm like, my position is different than y'all. I'm mm-hmm. gonna need to do more explosive stuff. Yeah, you don't need to be doing the high endurance, muscular endurance type stuff. Exactly. Um, so did you continue that the same strength program through college, or did you do the college program? No. So college, um, college, you know, mostly work out in the spring. Yeah, and whenever whenever we got to the spring, I always worked with the with the strength coach. I would always be like one of the people. I was that annoying person who always be talking to a strength coach. Mm-hmm. And I would um, we I think we had like four different strength coaches when I was there. Uh-huh. We had a we had a good amount of different strength coaches, but every, I would always like get along with them because I would understand the work. Most soccer players don't know how to work out properly. Yeah, yeah. And that's just especially the European guys. Mm-hmm. So, and they, especially when like, you get to college, a lot of people are doing like sometimes you do. Um, power lifts or Olympic lifts and they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. 
and I, um, so I'd always work with them. They understood. I knew what I was doing, and we would. So I'd um, in when I was in school, I'd work with a with a strength coach. But whether if I was in the summer or even the in winter, mm-hmm. I'd work with um, Andy. Yeah. Okay. And then how many, I mean, I see you down there all the time doing, um, extra lifts and everything, but how many, what's your ideal, like, um, workouts per week? How many do you, do you do? If, let's say if we have a game on Saturday, mm-hmm. ideally I'd want to work out Monday through Friday mm-hmm. and then Friday would usually be a lighter, um, a lighter lift, just get blood flow blood flow going circulation. Mm-hmm. And is it heavy, heavy weight all five days or, no, so, or four days with Thursday? Um, it depends on the on the program, but right now I'm doing most um I'm doing power day on Wednesday, uh-huh. which is what I did today. Uh huh. Um, which is why you had 500 pounds on the bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did the trap, yeah, the trap bar, and then onto the box. That's it's called PAP training, post activation potentiation. Mm-hmm. It pretty much so your muscles recruit, and um you have different type of fibers, mm-hmm. and your muscles recruit on the size principle from type one, the which is the slowest most um the slowest fiber to the fastest. Mm-hmm. So in order for you to increase your power, sometimes you want to decrease that recruitment time. So that's what PAP training is for. It's to help you um, to activate them in a shorter amount of time. So you do the heavy weight. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm lifting a heavy weight right now. To I'm re- recruiting those muscle fibers. And then when I have to explode off the ground, I don't have that weight anymore. And those fibers are already recruited. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, that's, I, I like that. Like it looks, looks very... Uh, um, applicable, you know, like mm-hmm. even like you kind of, it's like almost like the, the same idea of like with the baseball players with the, the weight on the bat, you mm-hmm. know, you're doing that and yeah. then also you take it off. Yeah. So there's many different forms of doing it and you see there's way more research now and you see a lot of, um, a lot more teams, uh, um, implementing it. Yeah. So when, when I was at Vancouver, that's even in, the, in preseason, we were doing that as well. Mm-hmm. We were doing PAP training. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, and then so FIU, uh, how was your experience there? Oh, I was great. Yeah. It, uh, if I could do it over again, I would go back to FIU. Mm-hmm. I was in Miami, which was great. Especially mm-hmm. it's where you want to be in college. And <laughs> did you want? Yeah, yeah Miami <laughs> is not a bad place to be. Uh, did any part of you want to go like to a different like state in, entirely, or were you like, no, Miami is going to be a good spot? I wasn't opposed to it, mm-hmm. but I also was happy I was in Miami. Um, so like I said, I registered my freshman year, mm-hmm. and then. I almost transferred out after my red shirt sophomore year. Mm-hmm. So my junior red shirt sophomore year. Yeah. Cause I didn't really play much. I wasn't a regular starter at FIU until my senior year, my oh. last year there. So like my freshman year, I redshirted. Then my red shirt freshman year, I started six games, I think. Mm-hmm. And one of them was the conference final. Um, and that was only cause the keeper got injured. Mm-hmm. And then we switched coaches I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to be the starter next year. I'm good. We switched coaches. I had a really bad spring. And then coming next year, I played two games. I started one, which was like our fourth game of the season, something like that. Didn't play again until the first round of NCAA tournament when five minutes in, our starting keeper goes down with a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. So I came in five minutes and I hadn't played all season, played, came in five minutes into the NCAA tournament. Jeez. And it was, also, it was probably one of my best college performances uh-huh. <laughs> with that game. But then, I, then we, I didn't play the next game. Uh, we put, we made it to the next round. I didn't play. Uh-huh. Then next year I, I played five, six games, I think. And then my senior year, I played every single minute. So uh-huh. I didn't have, so like, I didn't have like that typical goalkeeper mm-hmm. route of like, if most goalkeepers, pro goalkeepers, you see like maybe they didn't play one or two years, but they played 
they started their last two, three years. Yeah. Or I'm, I know one who like redshirt freshman year played next next four. Mm-hmm. So like I didn't play much until my senior year. And after the year I played two, I remember going into my coach. We had our individual meetings and everyone was like 15 minutes. I think mine was an hour and a half. Yeah. I sat there, I'm, uh, I sat there with the coach. I'm like, um, I, I, I think I want to transfer. He's like, and me and him had a long discussion. I'm like, I didn't get a chance this year. I got one chance. Mm-hmm. And keep keep in mind, we that year we went undefeated and we were a top 10 team. Yeah. <laughs> so like my coach like, well, we're winning. Why am I going to change things? Yeah. Me and him went back and forth. I decided to stay. I think my the main reason I wanted to stay, it would have been, the easier option was to stay mm-hmm. in terms of like, yeah, I'm comfortable here and this and that. Yeah. And I was willing to take the risk and go somewhere else. But something inside me wanted to stay and fight for that spot and be like, I want it. Yeah. 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 So that was the main reason I stayed. And I had a lot of people tell me that they thought, like I talked to, I had remember talking to a lot of people. I'm just like, what do you think I should do? And like one of my best friends, Andrew, mm-hmm. we had sat down and like, listen, like I haven't told you shit, but I want you to stay. I think it, I, I think it might be better for you to transfer, but I would want you to stay. And yeah. had a long conversation, did a lot of self-reflecting, but ended up staying. It worked out. Mm-hmm. That's a tough, tough. To, I mean, that's like two in college. So many players get there. And I mean, because every time you go up a level, you go from, you know, academy or, or club to college, college to semi-pro. Yeah, you're always back at the bottom. And now you're competing again to get to become the man again for that spot. And it's always tough. And a lot of players like when they face that, like a lot of times that's their first time facing that in mm-hmm. college. And so it's like a lot of players either like crumble or they like they overreact sometimes. Even that I've seen players that first year when there's two senior goalkeepers ahead of them, mm-hmm. like, why am I not starting? Transfer out, transfer, transfer. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough like uh, integrity to like stick it out. And then I've also seen it the opposite where it's like almost you stick it out without like if there's somebody who's younger than you starting and even mm-hmm. just better than you or whatever. I think so it is a tough decision that you have to weigh you know, yourself. I think one of the most valuable things I learned in college and I attribute this to my coach, uh, Kevin, um, is that I learned how, to understand the goalkeeper role better mm-hmm. because at the end, most teams only one goalie is going to play. Yeah. And you go learn that. And if you're number two, your job is to push the starter as much as possible. Your job is to fight for that position while also pushing the starter. Mm-hmm. And I remember like when I taught this question about, um, about transferring, we talked like you stay and fight and make a case for yourself. And I, even then I was training amazingly, but I would, make some mistakes and I get frustrated and he just, and my coach is like, listen, I think you're too focused on yourself right now. Put the team first with the work rate you have, put the team first and the rest will follow. And then that's when everything got so much easier. Cause mm-hmm. my junior year when I played like five games, everyone on my team, like I was there supporting the team. I supported the number two and it made it way easier. Mm-hmm. Cause when you only think about yourself, you're, it, it gets frustrating. You're thinking this yeah. and that, but then when you're, and me and that keeper have a great relationship. He he plays for Austin right now, Austin Bold. Mm-hmm. And me and him have a great relationship on and off the field. And I th- and I think that was a big um, instrumental part of it. And yeah, it's a good I, lesson to learn. Though. Yeah, especially learning it at that age. I think yeah. it was good. And but I do I do think to an extent it did hinder me a lot mm-hmm. because goalkeeper is a position all about experience. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I think I played 30 something games my whole college career out of like 120 possible games, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, 
I didn't get the experience I necessarily needed, but I learned a lot of valuable things mm-hmm. outside of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's always pros and cons, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's always pros and cons. Cause like, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I did the same exact thing. Like I was very, I got in a very fortunate role at Davis where I came in at, and the people playing, I was playing striker back then, playing striker. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Score goals left and right, baby. <laughs> but, um, I was playing striker, but like the senior striker out with a season ending knee injury, second striker, uh, was like a junior. He got in a huge fight with the coach completely like suspended for like weeks. And then the next striker that was young, uh, like a sophomore just had a bad attitude in general, didn't work hard. Mm-hmm. So me and the other freshmen, came nine and 10, like first game, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, so we did well and, and held that. But then around like my my sophomore year, it was kind of like we brought in some more strikers and I kind of like was out, like in and out. I played every game, but it was like, I didn't start every game. And like, I was, my attitude back then was a little like pretty bad. Like mm-hmm. it was very all about me. We would win a game three nil. So that's a big thing. Pissed, that's a big thing you know? to do a freshman. We had a, so we had a few freshmen on our team. Like my, one of the year, they played a lot their freshman year. Yeah. And their sophomore year, they're like, oh, they walk in thinking they have it. It's, mm. You see a lot in college freshmen. Some freshmen have really good freshman years. Yeah. And their sophomore year, they think like they don't have to work as hard. And they, it's a big reality check. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like upset with like, uh, just like anytime, like it was just all about me. It was literally, my performance was how happy I was, you mm-hmm. know, it was good because I was so competitive to be on the field, but it was overboard to being where it was like negativity. Like I would show it to my teammates, you know, mm-hmm. even before games, after games, all that kind of stuff. And so I'll talk about Ugo, the one that is playing at Austin right now. Mm. So he was the one who came in and he started the year. I only played two games. And then next year he played, he didn't have a good year. Mm-hmm. And me and him have talked about it. And the and biggest thing is that he was really focused on himself. And me and him have had this discussion about it. And then once he real, and I remember one time I was starting, he was mad and he, and he came up and we, I had a great game. We beat Kentucky as a number three team in the nation. Like, Danny, mm-hmm. I hope you know I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad that I'm not starting. I'm like, you go, I completely understand. Me and him have had this conversation that once you, once you realize, like, once you put the team first and once you're just pushing yourself and, how, and happy with the result, like, it, make, it comes way easier. And his, mm-hmm. he had a phenomenal junior year, the year we went undefeated and everything. And then his senior year fell short. Our, our team fell. Our team didn't do well that year either. Mm-hmm. But then, like he was so caught up in trying to be something he wasn't, yeah, or try, yeah. and focusing on all the little bad things, and it took a big toll. And me and him have had this conversation before, and we've been open about it. And like, like I said, like he he had that comment, like Danny, I'm not mad at you. I'm like, I understand because I I felt the same way when I wasn't starting, and he was. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh, I hope he, I I I didn't hope he messed up. Yeah. But I'm just like, I need something to happen for me yeah. to get in yeah, yeah, yeah. type thing. But I'm just, I'm never hoping a keeper gets, another keeper gets injured or there's a mm-hmm. mistake. I'm never hoping that. Yeah. But it's one of the things like, if I ever wanted to get in, that's what needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, and me and I'm, it's, it's interesting because we, we, we've been on both sides of the coin yeah. in this, in, in college between one year and the next. And now me and he said one of the biggest things he, re, he, he said he'd learned from me is that I was always positive. Whether mm-hmm. I was playing or I wasn't, I was very positive and pushing him and myself. Yeah. And that's, it, may, it makes it easier because when you're mad that you're not playing and you're focusing on 
uh you every little bad thing you're like ah oh, fuck this that mm-hmm. and then it gets it just gets harder and harder it's a big amount to climb but when you're like okay next one let's go then you're pushing the next person mm-hmm. you're happy and then it comes out the competitive side like okay he made this great save can i make the great yeah. save? Like, in a good way not yeah. like a bad way and yeah. more of in the bad way you're like damn it, i didn't make that good save but he did mm-hmm. it, it wins you're positive it's way easier so me and him have had this great relationship yeah because because, because being positive doesn't mean that you're like okay like mm-hmm. stepping back and not being you want to start you're still super competitive mm-hmm. it's just it's like you have and that's what you have to learn it's like balancing a hundred percent support for the team and 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 being in that supporting role with a hundred percent competitive competitiveness i want to be a starter this is you know it's for me but it's like balancing the two it's it's hard it's, it's very hard and the keeper role is a very unique spot because yeah. like as a field player, you can get subbed on, have a good 10 minutes, and then you maybe... You play different positions. Oh, you play different... Or you can maybe start the next... Okay, you get subbed on, play mm-hmm. 10 minutes. Okay, you'll start the next game. Keeper, it's usually one playing. Yeah. Um, and it's very... Rarely you change keepers in season mm-hmm. unless something traumatic happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I'm very happy I learned that at an early age rather than getting to a pro career and yeah. being like fuck is this what well, i have no idea what's going on just going through all, everything i went through mentally mm-hmm. then i think I, I think that was a blessing in disguise for me yeah well a big part for me too was uh i was thinking that if i wasn't starting or i wasn't getting enough minutes it was college you do so many subs so i wanted to be on the field longer too mm-hmm. um and i was like so mad about not getting more minutes because i all i was thinking about too was just not even winning the tournaments or winning our conference it was all about for me can i get enough goals in order to get drafted of course that was all that was going through my head That's you know and it, players, it's like yeah. that it's like i don't know if it was michael jordan or kobe bryant but it was like you focus on like winning and just the moment of winning and and, and doing what the team needs the individual accolades will take care of itself because mm-hmm. my best season i was just i just wanted to win and i was just playing to win good attitude playing playing mm-hmm. playing and, and i had my most goals ever yeah and then the year my senior year when i was more focused on goals and can i get drafted i scored like half the goals that I did my the previous year. So I don't know if it's like correlated a hundred percent, but yeah. yeah, I think it has a big role in it. Mm-hmm. I think once you, cause I think when you focus on you nonstop, like you pick about every little detail. Yeah. And then when you focus on doing what you can to help the team, mm-hmm. yeah, you're frustrated that you may not may, may have made a mistake, but it's not like you're not bringing yourself down. You're like, mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta do better for the team. I can't, I can't afford to let the team down. I can't. Yeah. And even like little things like in the box too, like making the, the decoy run Mm -hmm. near post to open up another run. Mm -hmm. It was just, no, 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 I'm going to be the guy who scores. And then I don't draw the guy out and then nobody scores, Mm -hmm. you know, or yeah, all those little tiny things trying to take a shot when another guy's a little bit more open. And then now your team loses and now you're not getting the accolades because nobody cares if you don't make the NC2A tournament, you know? And so that was big. Um, And then, so with FI, uh, FIU, uh, just experience overall too, not just on the field, like with the guys, the team. Just oh, we were a family. Yeah, we did everything together. Like I tell you, Andrew, Andrew Booth is one of my best friends and a brother. Uh-huh. And we played together since we were ten. That's so cool too that you guys so got to the same school. We went to Kendall. To, we went from Plantation to Kendall together. Uh huh. And then from Kendall FIU. And it was, and I'm like, I think the Miami Herald did an article on us our senior year. They were interviewing. They interviewed us for our team was doing really well. We were ranked, everything, and did an article on us. And he, and the the guy who wrote it taught, thought he was going to do more one about like the two players helping each other. Then when he, when he got to the interview, I talked about like, oh yeah, me and Andrew growing up since we were ten together, 
been to each other's houses, family dinners, everything. Yeah. And wrote a beautiful article about, not necessarily about us and the, well, he wrote about FIU and the team, how it was doing well, but it was more about me and him and our, like our friendship and like mm-hmm. how everything. And I think he, he played a major role in my development throughout seeing you. Cause like whenever I was mad and everything, I would talk to him about mm-hmm. it and him vice versa. Yeah, that, I I remember those uh, those nights like especially when you're living to, you guys live together yeah 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 if, when you're living together with your, your teammates too and you're one of you's frustrated wants to work on something off season yeah. like you just go into each other's room and just like hang out and no, talk I I tell uh, we still have a group chat from like our senior year room uh-huh. and I, I talk to them, I miss college so much just sitting in the living room talking shit <laughs> all of us like yeah and it's, it's one of the things like me me and Andrew together like friends for so long and knew each other like we knew each other's like habits and like stuff it was just mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah that's that's awesome. College was such a great experience for me too. Like same thing. Um, now you got you got drafted right yeah. after senior year. Were you expecting that? To, like how did that how did that whole thing work? Um, so senior year happened. Mm-hmm. We fell a little short. We were expected to make NCAA tournament, but we didn't. Yeah. Crazy events. Whatever. It didn't happen. Got invited to New York Red Bulls combine because mm-hmm. that, that's when they're trying to get. Now they're trying to get rid of the MLS combine. Everything it was the first year they didn't have like the official MLS combine. Yeah. So a lot of teams had their own individual combines. Mm-hmm. So I went to New York Red Bulls. I was one of four keepers, only American, which is big for a keeper. Yeah. Um. Did well. I left and my I talked I talked to my coach at FIU and he said, Oh yeah, they, they think you're the best keeper there. Mm-hmm. They're probably considering more. Um, for USL team, I'm like, okay, yeah. Um, went to another combine, the Midwestern. Did well there. Um, so th- then this one, they asked, they made like a profile for you, like highlight tape, all this stuff, like mm-hmm. stats and everything. And that's when I, because of that, I'm like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta get my highlight tape together. So mm-hmm. I went and made my highlight tape for my senior year, posted it on there. Um, don't know how this happens, but... Yusuf Daha, the head coach who was at Montreal, yeah. is now at Vancouver. Gets a hold of my highlight tape. And they're looking for a number two keeper who is able to play certain style. Mm-hmm. And they get to my highlight tape and instantly calls Giuseppe. So I hear about this. I hear that my highlight tape got to Vancouver. So I called Giuseppe. I'm on the phone with Giuseppe. And he's like, are you calling me because of the phone call I just had? I'm like, were you on the phone with Yusuf? He goes, Yes. <laughs> So then that's how everything started there. So um, they were looking for a number two. The number one was actually at Montreal when I was there and I trained with him. Uh-huh. His name is Maxine Crepo. Okay. And now the starter at, Van- at Vancouver. Um, so they that's wanted aw- yes. okay. so, And then I'm so glad you said that too because like with the highlight video, like I stress so so much importance on highlight videos and CVs, mm-hmm. like having that. Because it's like, yeah, you can get recruited in person uh, still to this day, uh, easy. Mm-hmm. But like, of course. why would you, if you have a highlight video, anybody can get their hands on it. It mm-hmm. can get passed around. Old coaches can pass it around. Mm-hmm. It's just crucial. And so, so yeah. you're like, this all came from a highlight video that you scrambled and, and, and put it together. And then it fell on the hands of someone that I knew from years yeah. previous. So it, it, that's how it's crazy how it all came back together. And did you make it yourself? Or? Yes, I made it myself. So you, did you do it on like iMovie? Like, iMovie. Yeah. I literally on iMovie, sat there, mm-hmm. figured out how to do it on iMovie myself, yeah. made it. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, that's how, it's just crazy because so many players too at that point, 
would just be like, oh no, it will work itself out. We'll see what happens. But by, oh, no, I wasn't by even being that proactive, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, wasn't exactly. leaving it a chance. By being proactive though, that's where the opportunities come. Yeah. And so many players are like, ah, oh, I just can't catch a break. It's not working out for me. You know, it's it's rigged or whatever. It's like you're not being proactive. You're not emailing coaches. You're not mm-hmm. doing the creating the highlight videos. So yeah, I'm really happy yeah. that's how it worked. So yeah, that's so, cool. I didn't know that too. So yeah, so Vancouver needed number two. Mm-hmm. Um, so showed interest, and I haven't told anyone this. But so wait, the the draft list comes out and I see my name on it, mm-hmm. and then my co- and then I was talking to the coach at FIU. He goes, oh, I think it's gonna be a good week. I think it's gonna be a good week for us. This and that because I didn't know this at the time, but Red Bulls coach called him and saw that my name was on the draft list. Mm-hmm. Did, they didn't put it on there, but they're like, okay, we're gonna take him. We're like gotcha, they saw yeah. it and they're like, okay, we're gonna take him second round. A little bit of leverage. Yeah. So like, um, they I guess they want another team get me whatever. Yeah. I think they had the thirty fifth pick something like that. They had like. Low thirties. Yeah. Pick. Um. I'm like, okay. So then, day before the draft, I went to training. I get a text from Mark DeSantos, who is the head coach of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Hey, Danny, it's Mark DeSantos. Uh, I was wondering if we can get a call later, talk this and that. I'm like, yeah, of course, this and that. So I'm just like, okay, something's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um. Spoke to him, and he told me. And then right before he hangs up, he goes, Oh, by the way, we're taking you number thirty second if you're still on the board tomorrow. And I just and he's like don't tell anyone. I haven't told anyone this to this day. I don't think really? I've told anyone. So I knew the day before. Oh, uh, so, you didn't tell your parents. You didn't tell anybody. Or I told Giuseppe. Okay, my goalie coach. Uh-huh. Only per- I text after I got <laughs> off the phone. I texted him like, "Hey, they told me they're taking me thirty second. Dang. And I di- I didn't tell my parents or anything. I wanted to be a surprise. How hard was that? Just to oh, be- it was so hard. <laughs> Were you it telling was- like your parents like, "Hey, watch the draft tomorrow"? Like, no, or- no, no. My parents knew because like we knew we had the draft going uh-huh. on. Um, and it was like the first year they weren't like televising. It wasn't like a big event. How yeah. it normally was. It was all virtual. Mm-hmm. This is before COVID too. This is like, yeah, yeah. So everything was virtual. Um, so my parents, we, like we, we talked about it. Me and Andrew plan on watching it together. And I thought I, I knew Andrew had a great year as well. I'm like, ah, Andrew's going to get drafted the first two rounds. So I went from there. This was probably like nine o'clock at night. I went and got two bottles of champagne, um, brought it home. Mm-hmm. We went to training in the morning. Did goalie training, did did the gym. We left. I went to Andrew's house to watch it. We had it all set up. And I pulled out the champagne. He's like, you got champagne? I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta, get, gotta be ready. <laughs> We're watching it. The first round goes by and they cut off the TV, um, the stream. Yeah. Because at that point it was just on the website. It was just like they were uploading whenever like someone got picked. Yeah. They would upload the name. So we're going, we're going, we're going. It gets uh, and it gets to Vancouver. I'm like, oh, here we go. And I'm just waiting. And Andrew's mom was the first one to see it. Um, and she jumps up screaming. And then obviously I knew by that point. So yeah. <laughs> really happy. My mom, my mom was watching it on live on at work. Uh-huh. So she she like told her boss, like, listen, my son's drafted tonight. Yeah. Um, can I please have the phone? She's like, yeah, 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 go, go. So everyone, everyone at her work knew. Um, and my dad was actually flying to New York to visit my sister. Mm-hmm. So he's in the plane and has no idea what's going on. He, I'm like, dad, the draft's tomorrow. He's like, oh shit. Like, no, 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 I can't miss this. I'm like, dad, don't worry. So he's in the plane. So he didn't find out until he landed. Oh, he didn't buy, I, he, could you buy the Wi-Fi? Or? I think, I, so he was, somehow he had service because uh-huh. he was texting us. Uh-huh. And he, was, so we had a group and then we let him know in the group. Uh-huh. But he didn't like see uh, everything. But um, so that happened. So that was January 2020. So uh-huh. I had an idea the day before. Didn't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. So that was like, that was a Friday. I think the following Friday I had to leave for preseason. Yeah. Wow. So the quick that, turnaround. That's, that's 
So cool. What was going through your head at this time? Because I know like, um, I mean, obviously being drafted is, is such a big milestone. It's very exciting. But at the same time, it's like, it's also the work is like about to start. Oh, you know? no. So my, my co- I remember my coach at FIU called, he was one of the first people to call me he goes, and he goes, hey, your biggest challenge starts now. Yeah. And I knew that. I knew. And that's one of the big things about MLS. You're not, getting drafted doesn't guarantee you anything besides preseason. Mm-hmm. And I knew that. I had to get to work the next day at training. I was right back to training. I, mm-hmm. I had the champagne, popped the champagne, happy with everyone. But then, uh, I knew I had to get back to training and get back to work. And it was, it was a very euphoric moment. And I, um, I don't think there's any other way to describe it. Like mm-hmm. it's one of the things like everything in my life felt like it was going in the right spot at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was very happy, but I was also excited to take on this challenge and i was really i was really really happy and knew it was gonna be a a hard work and it was time to go (laughs) yeah uh no i always think that's so funny too because most people like either signing their first contract or getting drafted or whatever it's like exactly what you said like euphoric it's such an amazing moment but then at the same time you're like okay well tomorrow it's it's not like okay we did it like time to retire no it's like okay now tomorrow it's like it's weird because you just get back straight back into the routine again you mm-hmm. know and you have this like weird balance of like i'm doing everything still the same as i always did life hasn't changed but mm-hmm. like yet yeah, it's you know hopefully will it's just very interesting yeah cool so then a week later you're out to vancouver huh yep how was going from miami beach all the way out to uh vancouver? it was funny because i looked at it i'm like i got drafted to the furthest possible team <laughs> from <Yeah>. miami <laughs> i couldn't go any further yeah what is that like five thousand miles or something i don't know but it's literally the complete opposite corner of the, mm-hmm. of the continent um, that's funny <laughs> and but it was good and we flew over got there it was cold colder in miami but i didn't know this but vancouver is not that cold as the rest of canada yeah you vancouver's think of, nice you think of like i've been to montreal and i know it's freezing there mm-hmm. but they're like oh yeah i just know it's like once or twice a year here at most yeah. i'm like oh okay then perfect yeah i was with vancouver whitecaps too during 2015 were you there um i don't remember to be honest I, I don't know if that was 2015 or 2016 he was there. I don't know. I think it might. I don't. I think it was the year after. I think that he was there 2016. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was there for only three days, and then there's like, <laughs> no, thank you. You know, good run. But yeah. Uh, so how was preseason? It was good. That's actually what I met Rodrigo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So me and me and him were roommates um, when we were in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So I got there and it was very like. Isn't I it funny say- too with you with how. Uh, everybody's stories are like with coaches or with that. It's kind of like bing. And yeah. Kind of meet up again here. And it's, it's, it's so, so weird. Yeah. Yeah. So like me and Rodrigo met there. We were roommates and everything mm-hmm. Brazilian. So we did, uh, clicked, got together. So it was very like exciting. Like I, I felt like a little kid. I'm like, okay, yeah. I got, saw the facility. The, all the, the first day we just like, oh, I just want to get started, get started. Mm-hmm. The first day of training, it was, I remember it was probably like 30, 40 degrees raining, mm-hmm. brand new, Adidas balls on turf. So it was slippery and everything. I'm like, oh my God. But it was good. It, it felt, I think the biggest thing I noticed quickly was the speed of play. Uh-huh. It, it's a big difference in the speed of play. Um, and that was the, I think that was the, the thing I had to adapt to the most. I think physically and everything else was good. I just need to get used to the speed of play. But it was good. So we did a week in Vancouver and then we flew down to San Diego. Um, we were in San Diego and we played three, we played two games in San Diego. We played um, Columbus, then we played FC Dallas, and then we drove up to LA and played LA Galaxy. Mm-hmm. But it was good. It was, it, was a, it was a good experience. 
being in that environment, everything, my first professional environment, everything, it, it was fun. I enjoyed it. The facility there was nice and mm-hmm. everything. We, so we were in San Diego. So we were in a hotel for two weeks and everything. But we were at um, some college. I think it was... Um, USD? Yeah, I think it was USD. Mm-hmm. Nice facility and everything. Yeah. Trained there. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I, th- I, f- I could feel myself after like just a few days starting to get used to the speed of play again. Yeah. used to it. I did well, um, everything. And then after the LA Galaxy game, uh, Mark's like, hey, can we speak to you? And I'm like, okay. Came in and goes, hey, so obviously we know we brought you in as a number two. And we think you're a phenomenal goalkeeper technically, but tactically you're not there yet. We think you need more experience, mm-hmm. which is one thing like from a goalkeeper standpoint, I understand it. Like, like I said, experience is everything. That's why I go back to like, I think I got hindered by not playing as much. Yeah. But I get it. And they're like, yeah, I think we're going to, so they signed Brian Meredith. Um, they brought, um, they actually brought him in towards the last few days I was there, who has been around the league a few years. Like, yeah, we've he's more older, more experienced. I think he'd be a good guy as a number two. I'm like, okay, I understand. Um, like, we think we need to go to USL and get a few games, but I think you have a good chance of getting back to this level. I'm like, okay, understood. And then the goalie coach, Yusuf, was like, yeah, technically you're great. You can do everything you need to. It's just, tech, it's, sorry, technically you're great. Mm-hmm. You can do everything you need to. It's just the tactical side and the experience. I'm like, I understand. I, I could, I like, it hurt, obviously. Yeah. Like, it's also one of the things, like, damn, like, but at the same time, it's like, I understood where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, I forgot to mention this. So in the off season as well, I was training with Inter- in Miami. It's the first year as well, mm-hmm. and they had the USL and they had they had these training camps with to the head co- the coach for the USL team was Jason Christ, who has been around the league. He's been at one youngest coach to win MLS Cup, I think, with Real Salt Lake. He's been at NYC Orlando, coached mm-hmm. national. He's a U twenty three national team coach. Um, he was our coach and leading these U, um, USL training camps. And because uh, they were trying, they wanted the USL team to be heavily Miami influenced. Mm-hmm. They wanted to be, have that culture in them. So they had me and a few other local guys. Andrew was there as well. So we were training. Um, and then I remember the day of the draft, they put it, uh, made a group checks and like, hey, guys, what you think about having two training this weekend? Um, let us know if you guys can make it. And me and Andrew were like, oh, we should probably wait to see if we. Uh, if, um, before we respond yeah so then I, um, I ended up getting drafted I'm like hey I don't think I can make it and he's like oh unfortunately for us you're a Vancouver player and everything <laughs> so anyways um, got cut from Vancouver went back to the hotel uh, one of the first people I texted is Jason I'm like hey Jason it's Danny just wanted to let you know I got released from Vancouver uh, I want to know if you guys are still looking for a keeper or anything and I like oh when you um, oh I'm so sorry to hear that when you come back in town I'm like uh I was leaving that night. I'm like, I'll be back tomorrow. He's like, mm-hmm. okay, can you come to training on Thursday? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. Went to training, spoke to him. Uh, I went to training. We trained. This was before pre. This was before USL preseason mm-hmm. as well. So I, um, I was at Vancouver for like with Vancouver for a month. It's around February, and the USL League One preseason hasn't started yet. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, I think it started in like a week or two. Um, so we had the training, and then we played the in, we played in Miami. We played the the first team. They played 90 minutes against Charleston Battery. Um, so they, I think they split it like 60 and 60. Mm-hmm. And then for the last, um, one, for one, one team played 60 and the other team played the last 30 against Charleston. And then they played another 30 against us. Mm-hmm. So we, um, I, was, I went there for that. But then they brought one of the first team keepers down to play 
Um, but then I, I spoke to the coach and I'm like, hey, so um, I want, I got an offer. Charleston approached me as well about going on trial. I want to know. He goes, oh, we're going to give you an offer, this and that. So I ended up signing with Fort Lauderdale, the mm-hmm. Miami USL team there. Awesome. So that, yeah, right after Vancouver, I, I texted him right away. Yeah. No, that's that's so cool too because I think the the best part again is like as soon as you know you probably hit one of your lows like after being told no we don't want yeah. you to immediately go and text to get another opportunity you know because mm-hmm. again like I mean that's such another huge filter so many players or coaches are just like oh Levi's coming yeah he's coming <laughs> uh, so many players at that moment will sulk for a week or two and might lose an opportunity, you know, because it's not like jumping again, being proactive. Oh no, I was just like, I was devastated. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. Yeah. I, it, it was heartbreaking, but I'm just, they're like, you need games. I'm like, okay, I need, I need to go. I, I can't, I can't sit around. I got to try and find a team as quickly as possible. I need games. I need games. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, uh, I started thinking like, I haven't text Jason. Yeah. Now I, I was nervous to send a text. I'm like, ah, oh, come on. Yeah. Isn't lie. it funny? You get like that anxiety whenever you send those texts. No, exactly. Like, I'm just like, I, I, I was embarrassed to tell people. It was, I remember like for a good part of time, I didn't want to like, when I went back home, I didn't tell anyone. Yeah. I didn't want anyone to see me. I'm just like, I don't want people to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want people to know I felt bad. Like I, I was yeah. like embarrassed. And my, my, my friends were like, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Like you made it farther than most people ever will get. But mm-hmm. I'm just like, I, I still didn't make it. Because yeah, it's not fun. You know? yeah, it's n- a- yeah. I'm just like, I, and my girlfriend at the time was just like, Danny, like, I remember because she was still at FIU, mm-hmm. and I, 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 she wanted me to like spend the night. I couldn't because I'm just like, no, I don't want anyone to see me. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to know. And I was just like, I was, I shouldn't. There was nothing to be embarrassed about, because especially because failing is a big part of succeeding and mm-hmm. getting where you want to be. But I was, and I think it took like, it took me a long time to get over it. But re, um, and I think that hindered me in a lot of aspects of my life. That it took me a long time to get over, but I did quickly i didn't want to sit there and sulk mm-hmm. while i may have not been fully over it i know that i was doing what i could to, to get past it yeah and that's the key yeah i uh like very similarly again like in when i was in germany and like i was coming up on my end of my tourist visa and i had yeah. this last team in the in the regionality at the fourth division that was like kind of like i don't want to say string me along but they let they i trained with them for like two weeks to the exhibition games and the whole time the coach is like we're going to sign you we're going to sign you Mm -hmm. and then he kind of even said yep come in the office you know tomorrow to sign the contract Mm -hmm. so i'm like oh my god this is my first pro contract i'm so excited and then i wait all day never get that call so i call him the next day be like hey you know just checking in like when you want me to come in to sign it and i hear him just like sigh and he gives this big like like man i'm sorry i'm like no and like basically sponsor backed out but again immediately it took me a full day i had a full day of of sulking yeah yeah, but like after that like i was like okay no i called the coach again back and said hey can you just put me another word? Like, you know, obviously you like you rate me as a player. Can you, do you have any contacts in the fifth division, sixth division, anywhere that you can mm-hmm. help me out? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I can do that for you. And then that's how I got the team that I ended up signing with. Mm-hmm. But it was like the same thing, you know, terrible moment. You soak a little bit. You're not over it. Like I was still stinging from that, mm-hmm. but create another opportunity as fast yeah. as you can. Yeah, I actually read an interesting book recently called Winning mm-hmm. by Tim. I, I have that book on my nightstand on there. <laughs> I love I love Tim Grover. I read both of his books. Relentless yes. is, is my Bible. I, I love his books. I love his mindset. I've listened to a lot of his podcasts and everything. Mm-hmm. And a big thing to talk about in winning is that once you've won, you're back down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's about because, okay, you've done it. Can you do it again? And same thing here. Like I think it's a very big Okay, I made it. I got drafted. 
I wasn't able to do it again to get signed. But um, I'm all the way back down. I have Mm -hmm. to climb up. I can't stay back. I can't stay down in hell. I can't stay where I am. Mm -hmm. I have to move forward. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And then, I mean, look, a week later, two weeks later, you're already getting like interest now from Charleston Battery, Mm -hmm. from Fort Lauderdale. Like it's very cool. And then so basically signing that first contract now with Fort Lauderdale, do you think it meant more now because you kind of got denied that first time? um it with vancouver or like what were your thoughts on on signing that i'll tell you what i signed my first professional contract it's something i dreamed of my whole life Mm -hmm. and i remember i didn't smile when i was signing it Mm -hmm. because the vancouver thing still stung in my head Mm -hmm. and it was one of the things i told myself i never want to feel that again and i knew vancouver i knew fort lardo was like okay it's time to get to work i need i have a i have a long my journey my my journey just got way bigger my the mountain to climb is way higher now Mm mm-hmm yeah, that makes a hundred percent sense because it's like you had a taste of it. Now it's now you know that's, it's, all, that's all I want. I yeah. don't, don't want to sell for anything else. Definitely. And then um, you signed. So you signed with Fort Lauderdale. Like, is this February or? Yeah, it's around February. Uh huh. And then so when did preseason start? And what was what did you do before preseason? I think it was like March first. Uh huh. And now um, we had like the training with the. the I think they were training like every day now mm-hmm. with like the local kids. And then the last day, they're like, okay, we're gonna text you guys whether we want you or not. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, preseason started. Gotcha. How was uh, preseason with Fort Lauderdale and, and all that? It was good. It was, I, I really liked the coaches at Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. I think they, were, they made my time there way more pleasurable. And I really liked the coaching. I think I learned a lot from all of them as coaches. Uh-huh. So, pre-season, so at first, the, the, so the facility wasn't done yet. The Inter-Miami facility wasn't done yet. So we're at this like college a uh, local college turf that was really bad uh-huh. but we're training and whatnot and then finally then eventually we get moved into the facility which was great get to the, and then we're about like two weeks away from our first game we had a few preseason games and then covid hit <laughs> typical yeah so, classic so covid hit um and then we were thrown into the unknown uh-huh what was going through your mind at that point where you're just like I can't catch a break. Like, were you just like, I can't believe this. Like, I remember what happened, what happened to us, but what was going through your head? I, it, it was a lot to, to comprehend. I couldn't, cause this is your first pro season. Yeah, about I'm, to start. I'm also thinking like, Oh, we're going to be in and out. Just, I don't know yeah. how long it's going to take. And then you realize Shit, it's going to take, it's going to take a while to get out of this. Yeah. So I was just like, at first I'm just like, okay, we're going to have like one, two weeks off, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, okay, I'm grinding. I'm out. We're doing our own individual workouts, doing all this and that. Um, um, my ex at the time, my ex girlfriend at the time was li- was living with me, and she was a swimmer at FIU. So me and her would be working out together, this and that, and mm-hmm. then realized, okay, this might take a little bit longer than you think. So then yeah. motivation started to die down, and then we find then they started finally texting us like, hey, uh, we're aiming for the the state. So we that's when we started having Zoom Zoom workouts, training on our own type thing. So me, so one of my friends, Brian Silvestri is a goalie um, for my MFC. He's played around MLS and when I at my MFC right now. Uh-huh. And um, me, I'm texting him like, Hey, are you in town? He's like, yeah. I'm like, do you want to go train? So me and him would, during COVID, we'd go to like a local, we try to find a local park that was open. Most yeah. of them were closed. I remember yeah. we'd go to one until we get kicked out. Yeah. Then we would go to the next park. Uh-huh. And then until we got kicked out of there. And eventually we were out, there's like a park where like, wasn't even like soccer grass, just regular grass. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, we're just going to do what we can. So me and him were training like every day until like, um, until, uh, we started training back with our teams. 
and during that time, Andy and my, the guy at the gym um, was, was also trying to help us work out. So we were doing, I was doing some stuff with him, uh, like secretly doing some stuff with him. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Secretly <laughs> goalie training. So doing was, what she got to do. So like, yeah, we were, we were doing what we could to, to get, get, you know, get that edge, get mm-hmm. that step. And then fi- then we finally started individual trainings with the team, you know, kind of mm-hmm. just like, uh, it was like, I think one person per like quadrant of the field. Yeah, the quadrants. That, yeah. uh, it was, it was <laughs> whatever that was. And yeah. as a goalie, I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to train by myself? Yeah. So I'm just like diving on a stationary ball. <laughs> yeah. Like thing. That's, yeah, I, that's funny. So, um, I mean, for, again, like I think it's so, you kind of nailed it. Like the motivation really dies out once it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we're not back in two weeks. And then, like again, like I like I love that you're so many players again could have been like, oh no, you know, I'll chill. I mean, you know, I'm getting paid. Like it's fine. I'll I'll wait until we'll see what happens. It's a nice little vacation. But reaching out to get somebody else to help push you to help do drills, going. It's not fun being a pro and going to a local park with divots and and terrible grass and yeah. training. Like that's that we did the so, same thing and it's terrible. So it was funny because at one point, uh, John, my friend has a Colorado. Yeah. He came home. He got permission from Colorado to come home. Mm-hmm. Came home. He's like, all right, let's play pickup. Let's, pick, let's schedule a pickup game. So all of us got together and put like, we um, at, we started playing pickup mm-hmm. at a local park. I think we'd play like at like one in the after. It was just brutal heat in yeah. Miami at that time. <laughs> but we'd play because like, we'd train in the morning and we'd go straight to pick up or we play early in the morning before we had to do like our individual training and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're out there playing, um, like illegal pickup. Games. <laughs> like we got almost got, we almost got kicked out of the park like two or three times. Like yeah. one time the park ranger came and John's like, no, 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 I'm training for the national team. This and that guy let us by. And then mm. one time like they called the cops on us Yeah. <laughs> and then we had to leave and then it was, but we were doing what we could to try and get together. <laughs> yeah. That's what you got to do. And you just got to survive that moment. And then, um, when you were like when you did have to train by yourself as a goalkeeper like when you were doing the small group stuff like what like were you doing mainly like what did your trainings look like so like our goalie coach would like they were pretty innovative with the stuff so like one of the fields has like a like a fence around it yeah but the fence has about like two three feet of concrete before it gets to the fence so it's Uh like the grass field at a little sidewalk and then the concrete yeah so we like hit balls off the concrete for us to dive onto or for us to like do stuff it was Mm -hmm. So it's like going very, back, going back to the old school, like elementary yeah. school, middle school days of training by yourself and stuff. We had a rebounder mm-hmm. that was very difficult to use because if you didn't throw the ball perfectly, it's, you have no idea where it's going. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was just very interesting stuff. A lot, lots of our feet as well, like especially bouncing off the wall. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, the the field players had like they had coolers. They had to get like um, the coolers, like the team music, like the yeah. big square ones. They uh-huh. had to get, they ordered enough of them. So the player could like pass the ball off of that. So every player had like one of those in, the, in his quadrant as well. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. And then so we started back up in June, July. Yeah. Right? I, think, I think the first game was July. Something. First game was really we had the, July. We had the first game of the USL League oh, One. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I think, yeah, I watched that one. We, we premiered, we... We played at the Inner Miami Stadium before Inner Miami. We yeah, had the first ever game one. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Um, and then, so how did the rest of the season go there? So it was actually very unique. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm gonna use that word. Okay. It's very unique. So they, during this time when I was at Vancouver and everything, they signed another keeper to the USL team, who was also supposed to be like the fourth keeper for the first team. Mm-hmm. And he's now with the first team. So they were like, okay, he's going to be the number one. I, I, like I said, I'm trying to get games. 
So me and him are there. Me and him, have, me and him have a good relationship as well. The same thing, like trying to push him and try and fight for that spot as well. Mm-hmm. This and that, and then, um, so he's starting, and I'm not really playing. Um, and then they bring this 17 year old from the academy to come play, um, train with us. Like, oh, he's just going to be here to get the experience. This and that. I'm like, okay, yeah. So he's there helping with us. Um, and then at one point, uh, we had, uh, I think it was before the first game, we had um, an inner squad. Mm-hmm. And the um, we were watch- me and the goalie coach are watching video afterwards about the inner squad. How you did well? He's like, yeah, I think you're doing really well, and you're pushing, you're pushing. I think you're doing a great job of that, which pains me to tell you that. That like, the there might be cases this season where um, the board wants us to take the the 17 year old from to get that experience. Mm-hmm. And he go, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, I understand. Like, it's like I I think the hardest part of last season was that I understood where the board was coming from because they're all about development because mm-hmm. originally the team was supposed to be we had i think we only had like going into preseason we had 10 signed players the yeah. rest the rest were trialists mm-hmm. and then i think we ended up having like 13 14 signed players mm-hmm. and then um it was supposed to be like uh mls guys coming down but you we weren't able to go up and down last year because of the bubble and everything like that so they brought academy kids up and a lot of academy kids got chances. And I, that's why I'm just like, damn, you guys are blessed. You guys getting this opportunity. Yeah. It's in that. And I don't think if you have a system, first team, um, second team, um, academy, the only team that should really care about winning is the first team. Mm-hmm. Everyone else should care about developing and try and get players to the first team. Yeah. And I fully believe that, which is why I understood what Fort Lauderdale was doing. But it just sucked because I was the one who had a, who took the toll for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, goalie coach told me the goalie coach was brutally honest with me. Like that's and I want to be honest with you. Like I don't think it's right because you're signed and you're a player on this team, but you're gonna be the one taking the hit. And there're gonna be times where they're gonna dress the 17 year old, and um, and I'm just like I understand this and that. Um, then going, I think like. Three game, th- a few games into the season, starting keeper gets injured, and I'm just like, okay, it's my chance. Doing well in training, doing well in training, mm-hmm. and then the day before the game, the goalie coach came up to me and was like, and he was, you could t- tell he was disappointed and sad. He was like, mm. I know it's hard, but Andre's gonna start tomorrow, and I'm just like, like it hurts me because it can't show me, it won't let me as a coach show you how much I'm developing you. And he and we t- we talked about it. And he's like, I'm here. Even if you just want to vent, I understand. I get it. So he played a few games. Other keeper came back. Then Luis Luis Robles broke his arm of the first team. Mm-hmm. So they only had two keepers. So they took the keeper from my team, moved him up to train with them. Mm-hmm. So it was just me and the 17 year old. And then, but the 17 year old was playing games, and I'm, and it was it was hard. Because they know as a as a competitor and as a person you want to play, and you want and you come if you you come in work hard and everything and every single coach on the staff at some point or another came up to me like I remember one time we had training I'm walking off I didn't have a good training and mm-hmm. tell I'm frustrated and this coach Martin Patterson playing the prime everything and he had he has a lot of stories he could tell you and he was super nice guy and that's one of the reasons I said like, I love the coaching staff at, at Fort Lauderdale mm-hmm. came up to me like how are you I'm, like, I'm good like no Danny really how are you 
let's talk about it. And then we, we and him sat after training for like 40 minutes just talking about the situation. And I told him, like, listen, I think the worst part is I understand. Like, I get why the board's doing this. And I think they're good, but like, it's it's pain it it sucks because like no matter what you pretty they're pretty much telling me no matter what i do yeah if i'm miles better i'm not gonna play and he goes yeah and then my only hope right now is to just work my ass off and at the end of the year you guys help me out or just you know he's like listen keep doing what you're doing you come in with a great um paddle it's like you come in with a great attitude every day and we see it we know you're not in a good easy situation and every coach has told me this. And the other assistant coach, Darren Powell, well as well, who's been around, um, told me the same thing. We had the same conversation. Like, listen, you've been doing great, mm-hmm. and your attitude is miles ahead of your age. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. At the end of the year, we're all going to help you move on. So then, we didn't uh, USL League One last year. They only had the top two teams play the final. Mm-hmm. So we obviously we weren't going to qualify for that. So last game of the season came around, and the they, coaches decided to give me that game. They're like, hey, they went to the board, like, hey, like, Dane deserves this. And I was stoked, beyond honored. Like, mm-hmm. I got my first professional game, played really well. The coaches were happy. And, they, and, the, and then and the goalie coach was like, you, you deserve this. You owned it. You And all the coaches were happy for me. And then at the end of the year, we had our individual meetings, and the coaches were like, um, the coach told me, like, listen, we want to offer you another 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 year it'd be the sim- a similar situation you're in now. Mm-hmm. But you work, you work hard, you have a great attitude. And because of that, we want, we want you back. Mm-hmm. But like, do we think, and he goes, not talking from, not talking from a coaching standpoint, talking from a, as a, like a, a friend or a, like, I don't think it's best for your career. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think not a lot, but I know a lot. Not a lot of teams are looking for players right now. It's back in November. Yeah, like I know not a lot of teams are looking for players right now, but we want to give you that offer because you deserve it. But you do what you think is best. Mm-hmm. And I said okay. Um, and then a few weeks later, Tulsa came and get, um, started talking to me, and I remember I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take the offer. And I called, and then I called Jason. That was one of the other coaches that I had the individual meeting with. Cause Jason was with the national team at the time. Uh-huh. So then Jason came, spoken, uh, called Jason. I'm like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like I got this offer for Tulsa. I think I'm going to take it. Cause honestly, yeah, I think that's great for you. You deserve it. Like there were times this year where you were the best keeper and deserved to play, but I wasn't able to play you. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy for you. Wish you all the best. Don't stay a stranger, everything. So like, yeah, it was a interesting year. Yeah. Unique. I learned yeah. a lot again about myself and about soccer and saw a lot of the that's dark sides of the sport yeah but and all my coaches i'm happy that all my coaches were there to support me Mm -hmm. and on my side with it all it sucks because like it's frustrating because it's like you came down to get experience and then um just because of circumstances a little bit outside your control you're not able to get the the experience of the games that you want and it's always kind of like the, the that's the the toughest part about it is like in today's game or you're constantly in this battle between playing the best or developing the youth or is sometimes that's the same person sometimes it's not mm-hmm. sometimes it's there's especially as you go higher and higher and the players all become closer and closer from the first player second player third player it becomes a lot of opinions or outs 
outside factors a lot. And I'm not going to say like, oh, the best player doesn't always, you know, if you're with the best player, you're not going to have like the best opportunity to start because you will. But there are other variables. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's one of the things like, um, like I said, I completely understood where they're going from. I, yeah. I even think that's the right way to go about it. Because mm-hmm. that's what you even you, talked about in college needing more games and experience. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate. Like if that was you at 17, 18 now in college, getting games in, getting that experience, that's what that'd be best for no, you and for the club. And or whatever. I, I look at it like no MLS two team is making money. Yeah. They're not trying to sell tickets, do this and that. They're there to develop players mm-hmm. or in most teams sign players where they, they should, the players that they do sign that aren't academy kids mm-hmm. should be players they have interest for for their first team. And there are some MLS teams that are great at that in the country, but most, most aren't that way. And I do think it should be that way. It's just one of the things like, it's one, it was like a situation like, hey, then why sign me then? Yeah. Just to put me in. And they didn't know about this at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they signed me. At least I hope they didn't. Yeah. But... I I do think they went about it the right way. That's good. Uh, I just it just professional about it. It it, I mean, from what you said, from just the short conversations you've talked about with the coaches, even those conversations are huge. They were no. If I never had that conversation, they they just left me in the blank. Yeah, it would be a different story. Mm -hmm. And I think my goalie coach was. I loved working with his goalie coach as well, and he was very helpful throughout it all. Mm -hmm. And he, he um. And he was the first one to come up to me. Like all the coaches were really good. And I, I think Powell, like the one that played in the Prem, he had, he, had, he had an interesting story as well. Like he was playing in the Prem, got injured and all this stuff. And he always be like pissed off if he didn't play. And he goes, and he was, and he really wants to help teach people not from where he went wrong. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. That's what he's really big on. And I, I really saw that in him and him helping me with that. Yeah. And I think the the coaches being the way they were, like I said, I love the coaching staff there. Mm. Whether from learn what I learned from them and how they helped me in my situation, I really enjoyed it. And um, I don't think it would have been as good of an experience if it wasn't for them and them helping me through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. Then um, one one thing that happened to me was like with uh, after my rookie season with Orange County Blues mm-hmm. I had like 16 games in just starting to get my foot into the the, the pro door um, I really wanted to go back home and go to Portland Timbers 2 mm-hmm. and get into like an academy or not academy uh, the MLS 2 team set up to try to push up and I was really really trying to get into the Portland Timbers 2 and the coach there had the talk to him had he was so I honestly, I've never even talked about this, but he was so open and honest to me straight up on the phone. He said, look, love to have you, you know, definitely interested, but um, I want to let you know right now you're 23 and we have a 17 year old that we have for as in a fullback right now. And we're, our goal is developing him. And right now I'm going to tell you, there's not, it doesn't, it's not going to come down to who's better that day or that week. It's going to be what, who we want to develop for that first team role. Mm-hmm. And so I said, thank you very much. And I went completely different direction. No, and that, but that's and how that you, conversation saved that's me. That's how you want it to be. You mm-hmm. want coaches to be honest and upfront with you. Yeah. And Cause he could have easily said, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then not, not mention that. And it'd been tough. 
but like it's it's so good that from the, for the most part a lot of coaches do they have the best interest of their team in mind but they also are good people trying to have the best interest for the players as well yeah, you know? yeah that's what that's how it should be like, yeah you will you will find a lot of coaches like oh what can you do for me or mm-hmm. and they just think about okay i need to my my job's on the line it's their career too yeah, which you, yeah. we have to understand that as well the job on the line they have to do what's best for them oh this player is good maybe we're not going to use him but we want him in case mm-hmm. type thing it's some coaches are like that some aren't and you just have to hope you get the right one exactly yeah so um you got the the interest from tulsa then was that did that come about from your agent or how did that yes i came from an agent yes uh-huh. so you, you got that offer uh it came at a good time it seemed like when you were making this so yeah it back. came like because they they told me about the the meeting mm-hmm. uh so i had the meeting they told me they gave me the offer again um then I did, but we're gonna let you sit on it they didn't make anyone make a, a, a decision mm-hmm. they didn't make anyone ha- make a decision or anything or they never came back to me asking for a decision yeah i'm like i'm gonna play it out obviously shop around i was talking to austin bullet for a while mm-hmm. but they were just like they wanted to, i think they wanted to wait to sign players they wanted to figure out what they're doing with preseason and everything mm-hmm. and i also heard they were bringing an mls keeper on loan and i'm like oh, i don't know what the situation's gonna be with that if i'd be able to play or not um had a few team miami fc was an option as well um, and then Tulsa came in and gave me the offer and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take it. Yeah. And then, uh, for that off season, uh, did you do the same thing? Just training in Miami? Yeah, so, the, so yeah, training Miami. This was the off season where, um, we, I had, the, I had the goal training last year as well. This is the first, this is the off season where we started bringing in field players. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And this is a big thing. We had a good group of us, field players and goalies training. And then we'd go from training there and go train with the, and then we go to the gym, and then we play pickup at night. So this was like the, this was like the, especially since the off season was four months long. Yeah, we, yeah. And John was preparing for a national team camp because mm-hmm. he had a January national team camp he was going to. So we all had like, okay, I'm going, I'm going to Tulsa and everything. Mm-hmm. Nick was going to Nashville for the first time, so we were all grinding this this off yeah. season. It was a, it was a good off season. It That's was good. good. That's really good. Yeah, it's it's always good too, especially more last year than ever before but like to have a four-month off season kind of like with the quarantine where it's like you start to lose motivation mm-hmm. you can only be doing stuff by yourself for so long before you start to go crazy and like i think it's so good to find a group mm-hmm. to that pushes each other because you, yeah. you know you'll go out that one day you're not really feeling it and all of a sudden someone's beating you and you're like okay i gotta step it up now yeah, yeah. so having a good group to train with and that wants to do the workouts wants to do the pickup mm-hmm. games wants to do the training sessions it's awesome it, it, it was funny because we had um because uh, so John was in the bubble since he was MLS at the time uh-huh. was in the bubble all year and he's like oh it's off season it's time, it's time for me to go out like I've been locked in yeah so and then we had a, a some of us would, we'd go out on like a Tuesday and train on Wednesday I'm like now nah, I'm like no if you're going out you come to training mm-hmm. and I would I would always show up to training I've my entire career of soccer I've never I've always been one I'm like I'm not gonna drink before before training or anything that I've never been, I've never done that. And then yeah. this, this off season, the first time I was just like, I'm going to do it. But I'm like, no, I'm still going to training. And, I, <laughs> and then, and then I would, I would talk shit to the other person who didn't go to training. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. <laughs> I, always, I, I, I remember it was one day I got like two hours of sleep and I was out there. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get my ass through this workout. Mm-hmm. But then I'm just like, if anyone else misses the work uh, training, for something unexcusable, I'm mm-hmm. getting I'm getting on them for that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they they always they always got annoyed that I was like that. 
But I'm saying that nah. <laughs> you, yeah. you come to the training. No, it's 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 important too. Like in off season, it's a hard balance uh, of like this is your time to enjoy life, to enjoy family, to in, to not be on a regimented schedule. But at the same time, if you go overboard on that, yeah, now you're not going to be this. And it's mm-hmm. like so you kind of do need to find your balance of like the right amount of training, workouts, grinding, with also enjoying life, leisure where it's like it works for you so that you're also going to be mentally sane for the whole next season. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it, you have to be physically ready, mentally sane. It's a, it's a weird balance. Like it, off season never really is fully off. But at the same time, if, you, if you're if you too strict about it, then you're going to lose your mind because you're like, wow, I'm just, it's, you're going to get burnout. You exactly. Know? So it's one of the things like, I, th- I think we did it pretty well this year because like, okay, season ended, I think we did like one or two weeks off. No, mm-hmm. no soccer, no football. Yeah. Don't touch the ball. Don't do anything. If you want to, go lift or do something no soccer though. yeah then we trained for a good amount of period came the holidays we would train like in between like christmas and new year's and whatnot mm-hmm. and then i got sick at one point in january and i'm like oh shit i got covid yeah i went got tested double negative i'm uh-huh. like okay perfect two negative tests i'm like but i just took like that week off you know because I, I was sick yeah and then i get back and it helped me because i'm like okay time to get back and then i got back into it mm-hmm. um back at it and then my coach, my coach like, I think we have a good system now where we go, get a week off like towards the middle, then go again, and then like the last, and then one week before, so so then um, one week before I came to Tulsa, or like two, two weeks before I came to Tulsa, my goalie coach was back at Miami FC, so he couldn't coach. All, um, Nick was at Nashville already, Andrew's at Greenville already, and so it was just me and John were just like, well, what are we going to do for training? So we're, <laughs> we're at the gym. So I went one week where I didn't touch a ball, and I'm just like, shit like i go to tulsa too and like like, i went like one monday through like friday didn't touch a ball everyone was gone as well like the pickup people were all gone yeah and then but we were in the gym and then uh and john started training with nova because if we had um we know we know the coaches at nova Mm -hmm. um and they didn't have a season so they didn't really matter they were just training so they didn't really matter if john came in and i'm just like damn i need to get i need to get some training in so yeah i started reaching out to goalie coaches and um, I ended up training with one, uh, Ronald, uh, local goalie coach, who's good, who's good as well. And I was training with him. Um, and then, like, so I went, like, a week. And then I trained with him, I think, like, Monday through Thursday. left Friday for Tulsa. Dang. <laughs> and I, but, like, if it was a – I think it was a good thing. Like, you make a thing, like – Yeah. Like, oh, I, I should be touching up all other things. But I think, like, it was good to get that relaxation. I was still working out, so my mm-hmm. muscles were still going through stress and everything. But then, like – the last few the last week was just touching up the technique and everything and then when i got here i felt good mm-hmm. i think it was a good i think we have a good system for next year as well yeah yeah i do i do something very very similar to like take 10 days off as soon as the season ends mm-hmm. i try to do two weeks i never make it two weeks <laughs> like i just could do something yeah but 10 weeks or 10 weeks 10 days <laughs> yeah i take 10 weeks off in off season uh, 10 days completely off and then i train hard monday through i, I almost get on like a work schedule like, yeah that's monday what works friday, monday through friday off. exactly and, then that, and it's that, so nice because then my family's off mimi's family's off and it's like i can go golfing i can go enjoy you know go to brunch i think it's, it's i think it's a good balance to get the weekends off because mm-hmm. you're not gonna get weekends off in season and that's when like if you want to do that ignorance that you yeah. that you can't during season that's the time to do it yeah yeah and like it's not saying that i like always tell myself too like if i really want to do something on saturday sunday for sure go out and train but most of the time it's like it, it, i don't feel guilty because i'm grinding monday through friday so exactly. it's like my body's screaming for the day off so it's I, I like that and then thanksgiving i take like five days off um because i usually on vacation with my family and then christmas i'll take like 
actually this Christmas I didn't take off because I was doing this like, you know, the 75 hard challenge. It's what like this, it? like it, I'd made my own challenge where it was like, I have to do two 45 minute workouts every single day, but it, it could be yoga or a walk, or it could be as intense as a, a, a 45 minute lift and a full three hour training session or something. But like I had to do two workouts every day, had to read 10 pages a day, had to go and meditate for 10 minutes. So it was like, I had this challenge and I did it every single day for the whole December. Okay. I loved it. But then I needed a, I needed about a week yeah, off yeah. after that. Uh, but it was, it was cool to do. Um, so then anyway, now going into to Tulsa, how's the transition coming out here? Cause now this is the first time that you've played outside of yeah, Florida. So that, that was a big thing on this. Like, my sister always talks about like, oh, you're never going to leave Miami. Yeah. Like, I thought I was getting away to Vancouver and I ended up coming back to Miami. Yeah. And it's like, so it was, it was, it, it's different. I'm never been, like I said, I've never been opposed to it, mm-hmm. but I've never actually done it. Yeah. So my first time in Tulsa is a complete like 180 from a mm-hmm. quieter, from Miami. Like, like I said, off season, we like, cause Miami is one of the only places that open, but Miami's open seven days a week. Yeah. You can go out multiple places and have mm-hmm. a great night during the weekend. I get to 11 or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a Tuesday night. Oh, you have it's no still idea. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So it's completely different, but, um, yeah. How was, how was, did you move all your stuff out here? How, how do you? No. So I, I left some stuff with my dad. I moved like, so I flew, um, I flew out and then I was originally going to drive over here mm-hmm. so I could have my car. And then my mom, my mom and her boyfriend love doing, um, Tri- uh, or like road trips yeah and she mapped it like oh if we go i can stop here and there uh-huh. i'm like do you want to do a trip She's like yeah i can do it and take your car so i'm like okay okay so i i um so i flew here with two suitcases and my mom brought my car with the rest of my stuff and my dog mm-hmm. um i think i had like one like bin of things and then mm-hmm. like some kitchen stuff but like i didn't bring too i didn't want to bring too much mm-hmm. who who is your roommate at the it was Leo. Leo. Okay, it was Leo. Yeah, uh, and then so with the dog too. Is it was it your family's dog or no? Was it was it, my. So yeah. I adopted him. Um, he was two months old my freshman year of college. Okay, and got him at two months, and he's been with me ever since. He's. Did you just want a dog or what? what? I wanted a dog. Yeah. <laughs> In college, that's like unique. Most college players are like, I don't want responsibility right now. I want a dog. Yeah, okay. I think it helps. Like, yeah, you don't you don't want responsibility. You want to be able to have fun. But I think like having him has taught me a lot because i have to be responsible because i'm also mm-hmm. it's not just my life I'm, I'm um taking care of someone else's life as well mm-hmm. which is his and i think it really helped me with um learning a lot about myself and just being disciplined and everything mm-hmm. so i got him and I, I got him registered as an esa so he can live with me in college on my college dorms and everything mm-hmm. and then yeah he came with me as well that's cool I do. I mean, I got, now I have two cats now, yeah, Levi yeah, and Gucci, yeah. but like, I love it. It's so nice. Like, it's just, uh, it's like mentally, it's really. Oh no. Plus when they, when I get home and I open the door and I just see him wagging his tail and he's yeah. so happy. Yeah. You never find someone who loves you as much as, a, as a, like your pets. <laughs> yeah. they, Especially dogs. Dogs yeah. are so funny. No, <laughs> They're just so happy all the time. Yeah. Oh, I want a dog. It's just, yeah. I always, I always, even with the cats, I was like, no, no, I don't want, I don't want responsibility. Like we, Gucci found on the, on the, randomly outside in winter just like oh like a little kitten and try to find its owners never found anything so we just okay. adopted that and we got levi like last week mm-hmm. at the humane society but it is uh it is nice so how's the full like um transition transition now i mean you've been kind of popping around to different teams and everything but how's it been in tulsa i like it that? i like it I, it's still very different than miami mm-hmm. and truth be told i haven't really gone out and seen, seen much i have seen some things, but I feel like I haven't really experienced it yet, despite yeah. being here for what four months, five months now. Mm. But I think like I, I it's 
a different, but I think it's a good difference. Like I wanted to experience this because living in a big city my whole life, I yeah. kind of wanted to get away and get a smaller town, mm-hmm. get used to it, everything. And it's no, it's I, I've lived like I've lived in like a village as small as five hundred people in Germany, and I've mm-hmm. lived in like frankfurt i've lived in big cities and everything it's, mm-hmm. it's good to have different experience because then you like it it's again it's like little pros and cons about everything and so which one do you prefer uh when i was younger i lo- the big city was like i loved it being in a big city but then like i think now like i mean i think I- ideal city san diego like it's not okay. i guess san diego would be a big city but be yeah. a little bit outside of san diego okay, that's yeah, where no. i'd want to like okay. finish so yeah like plantation where i grew up is a, a suburb of Fort Lauderdale, which is mm-hmm. so it's not like a tactic of Miami. But then when I went to college, I was in Miami. And I think I always said like Miami is a place to be in your twenties. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to grow like to raise a family there. Yeah, I want to yeah, be yeah. I want to be somewhere more calm. Maybe not as small as Tulsa, but maybe but not as big as Miami or mm-hmm. like New York or anything. Yeah, no, no, but the village of five hundred people in Germany, I lost <laughs> my mind. I was losing my mind, especially when it's so cold outside too. Because it's not even like you're like, do I want to go put on my jacket when it's snowing outside and get a walk? Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're like, I'm just gonna stay inside. No, yeah. When, I'm, when I was when I was playing in Germany, I never mentioned that. So I played in Germany for a little. I bit. was like, whoa, 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 whoa I didn't mention this. When I, uh, <laughs> it was one summer. Um, I think I don't know if it was a summer. Before, I think it was a summer for my senior year. Mm-hmm. My team, like my plantation team, put together a team to go to Germany. Uh huh. Um, I was like 17 at the time. This was 20, this was 2014. Yeah. So we went there and we played a few different teams in Germany. So we, um, to go on to see, um, to try and showcase ourselves and try and see if any teams would be interested. Yeah. So we went, I was in Munich in Berlin, mostly Munich and Berlin. So we were in Munich for the first, like, I think it was a, let's say a two and a half week trip for the first like week we were in Munich. Then the next, um, week we were in Berlin, mm-hmm. but we, so we played, um, we played was it 1860 Munich or yeah. eight, something like that. Yeah, yeah 1860. Yeah, 1860 Munich. Mm-hmm. We played them. Um, we, the two biggest teams we played were probably them and Hoffenheim. Okay. And we were on trial there. I did really well at Hoffenheim, which, which is the only team that really showed interest. And then we played one team in Austria, and then we came. And then we came back. Um, and then we came back. So I did, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> so I did I um uh, I did do that when I was which was a, which was a cool experience as yeah. well. That's awesome. And but yeah, um, Munich. So we were in a we were in a small city just outside of Munich. Mm-hmm. So I get what you're saying. It was very small. Like you yeah. could, yeah, little small little village and everything. Yeah, no, it's, that's funny. <laughs> you're like, yeah, when I was living in Germany, at, th- at first I thought you were being sarcastic. No, I completely <laughs> forgot to mention. So yeah, I was in Munich. I was like, wait, I don't remember covering that. That no, that year. I was in Munich. I was in Munich for a little, for one summer. Uh, then, uh, Munich's cool. I, I really yeah. like Munich. No, but when we went to the Astro Stadium, like, oh, this place is awesome. Yeah. And then Berlin was very unique too and very cool. Like. Mm-hmm to go to yeah i love i love germany overall um okay so now i mean that pretty much brings us to to today um now i like to finish the podcast by answering or asking three questions pretty simple questions about your career so the first question is um we talked a lot about highs and lows for your career i say like your career is always like a roller coaster and you always have to ride out the highs and the Mm -hmm. lows um what do you think has been your absolute highest high and your absolute lowest low it's funny how you say like a roller coaster. My my roller coaster should always say peaks and valleys. Uh huh. Um, my That's absolute, right. I think my absolute highest high is probably getting drafted. Mm-hmm. I de- definitely the way I felt there. Mm-hmm. Um, playing my first game was definitely up there as well. But I think that moment, uh, it was a very euphoric moment when I played when I got drafted. Um, and then playing my first game was up there too. Um. 
my lowest prof- in professional or just overall? Overall. <sighs> lowest low. Um, I want to say it was my lowest low might be that season where I only played two games. Mm-hmm. And I was I was going because I remember like that was a, that was a point in time where I was focused on myself and not the team. Mm-hmm. The team is doing phenomenal. I remember my, my friends were saying like everyone enjoyed 2017 except for me. Yeah. Everyone, we're, we're winning left and right where we won a conference turn. We won a conference um, division. We got uh, our rings and everything. And I'm out there like, nah, I'm not enjoying it. Like I'm not playing. I'm not this and that. And I hated that I wasn't playing. And I remember mentally it was so tough for me. I think that was probably one of my lowest lows. And then, but what I've learned from that and how I got over it mm-hmm. definitely helped me get to where I am today and get to and push me better. Definitely. Awesome. Um, and then if you could have like a time machine now, you could walk into a time machine, you can go back to a, a younger version of Danny. What, what age would you go back to? And then what piece of advice would you give your younger self? Is this about soccer or about life? whatever you want <laughs> would you go back to that 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 year in college and, and talk to yourself then or would it be a different time i don't know that's that's a tough one i, yeah. I think about all the time I'm like damn if i could go back to the preseason in vancouver i would do it mm-hmm. um am i talking to my younger self or am i like, like becoming my younger self you're talking you're giving advice to okay. your younger self okay so giving it, my, i think i would go back to when i was i want to say in high school okay and I think one of the things I would try and tell myself is that I'm going to fail. And that's how I'm going to win is through failing. And shit's going to suck sometimes. And it's going to be brutal. And it's going to be hard to get up in the mornings. But getting up is what gets you going. And when, when, uh, one thing Tim Grover talked about in his book was just like, um, about when you everyone said when you get knocked down get back up mm-hmm. sometimes you want to just take a second before you get back up and think why did i get here and how do i what do i do to not get here again mm-hmm. so it's not about just getting right back up it's about learning from it and really learning from my mistakes and doing that obviously i'm going to tell myself work on this work on that yeah but take this option take, this option, <laughs> yeah. take the opportunity but i would just like in terms of life, I would just say, like, listen, it's going to be okay to fail. It's going to be, it's okay to fail. You're going to, it's going to be frustrating as hell, mm-hmm. but don't let it stop you from getting where you want. And if you really want to get to whatever, get to pro level, whatever in life, it's going to be hell. You're mm-hmm. going to have to go through some of the toughest battles in your life, but it'll be worth it if you stick to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's good. And then my my final question is now: like most people listening to this podcast are, you know, younger players or right at that semi pro level, trying to break into the pro level. Um, what would what advice would you have to them so that they can follow in your footsteps? Would it be similar to what you would say to yourself, or would it be something different? To them, I mean, I think a lot of what I said would be similar. Mm-hmm. But I think they just can't be afraid to try mm-hmm. and bet on yourself. I think it's, I think knowing yourself is very important mm-hmm. and knowing, okay, maybe I'm not ready because of this and that. It's very important, but also knowing that 
at some point or another, you're going to have to bet on yourself. And that's the most important bet you're ever going to make. And like I said, you're going to have to grind through it. And you're not going to have to love the hard work. You're going to have to crave the end result. Mm -hmm. It's going to be you want that end result so badly that you're going to go through some grueling workouts, go through some days. You're going to wake up and be like, I don't want to get up. Mm -hmm. You're going to have some days you're like, I don't feel like working out. And I believe David Goggins said it was like every engine needs a small spark to fuel. I think every rocket needs a small spark spark to fuel the, um, to, to start the fire. Mm-hmm. Just little accomplishments that get you in translates to little accomplishments that get you along the way. Yeah. Uh, that's that's big like I, it's even like with training like every day like you're not doing anything you're not reinventing the wheel when you go out and train in the morning it's yeah. just doing basic stuff but you're just doing it every single day and it's and it yeah. leads up to big you know improvements over the long term you know michael jordan started every practice with a basic chest pass just yeah, to get ba- yeah, yeah, yeah just to get that basic <laughs> fundamental down and mm-hmm. build it up to the next part best basketball player in the world just just passing it like that's crazy and then also too like betting on yourself like it's it's huge like i get questions so many times like matt how do i know i'm at the d1 or level how do i know am i at the d2 level like you don't like you just have to go and try like you just have to go email d1 coaches email d2 attend id camps you know try to get recruited reach out to them and and you'll see like you'll fall you know at a team and then that's where you should be you know and maybe yeah. not then you just keep pushing hey, higher if you get to a d1 team and then you realize like shit they're way better than where I thought I'd be. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But you, now it's time you realize I have four years. Mm-hmm. I got to make it worth it. And I tell I remember telling freshmen this when I, uh, I, I remember hearing this my freshman year and repeating it my senior year to the freshman that college goes by so fast. Mm-hmm. And so I'm telling you, I can already tell professional careers go by so fast and everything. I still remember the first day walking into my college locker room and I remember the last mm-hmm. and it flew by mm-hmm. and you're not going to realize until you get to the latter half to like, shit, this is, this is ending. Don't take it for granted. Don't take the time you have for granted. Mm-hmm. And it's a big, it's a big thing. And like, like you said, like you never going to know till you get there. Okay. Some, some people get there and they think, Yes, I've made it. This is where I need to be. And some people get there and be like, no, I want to be there. And they, it's depending on the person you want. If, you, if your goal is to play college soccer and you've made it, congratulations. Mm-hmm. You can, but if you want to aspire to be a pro and then you get to college and then you think like, and then you think, okay, I've made it, this and that, you're never going to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. It's always about chasing that next win, that next level. Okay, I okay, I made it to college. Can I make it to pro now? What do I gotta do to get, get pro? Okay, I made it to a pro. What do I gotta do to get to the next division, to the next league, to win a championship? Okay, I've won a championship. What can I do to do it again? Mm-hmm. It's never, you can never settle. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things you can ever learn, is that and once you settle, you've already, you're you're fighting a losing battle. Yeah, once once you yeah once you stop doing like the extra stuff and doing all that, you're you're just done. Like you're done. Um, awesome. Yeah, no, this is a great podcast. Uh, do you have any other, uh, other things you want to say now that you're on the, the famous against all odds <laughs> podcast? Uh, work for what you want in life 
and don't be afraid to take risks. If you really want something, you're going to have to work for it. And the most important things in life worth having are going to be work without becoming a professional athlete or relationship, family, friends. It's all work. And some of it's more enjoyable than the others. But at the end, it, I think it'll be worth it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank Danny. you for having me. Um, I'll put all of your social media stuff in the uh, description. Are you okay if people reach out to you and ha- if yeah, they have any fine. further questions? All right. So if you guys are listening, you want to reach out to Danny, DM him on Instagram or reach out to him wherever. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So uh, thank you so much for listening to the Against All Odds podcast. Once again, thank you, Danny. Thank you again for having and, me. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace. Peace.